Hello, everybody, and welcome to ADP Chasing. We have a lot to discuss today. Dalvin Cook finally was released. Madison, Ty Chandler, and Dwayne McBride are shooting up draft boards. And the elite quarterbacks continue to slide. We'll break it all down here on ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Kadarius Tony? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> oh. There's that. Uh, yeah, so been waiting for for months and months guys uh we kept hearing dalvin cook's gonna be released uh it took maybe a little bit longer than we thought but finally got that post june 1st news on him so uh yeah he's out um curious curious what you think pat uh how have you been treating the madison and vikings running backs with cook now gone yeah i misread the situation in terms of what the market would think um to me i mean madison's like kind of a very capable number two NFL back, but not all that good. I mean, he wasn't a particularly strong prospect. He's slow. He's been solid. I uh, had third round draft capital, so it wasn't like, you know, day three guy necessarily, but he's been pretty solid when given a shot. He can do everything. He's versatile, but he's kind of like a poor man's Josh Jacobs type of dude or kind of a David Montgomery type of guy. Like he's not someone I've, ever be excited to draft i know this is like a pretty solid offense probably maybe a borderline playoff team again um you know and they'll they'll definitely run the ball still i read an article i think on the athletic where they were talking about how they're still gonna run the ball like this is not um a team philosophy shift Mm -hmm. uh but i mean the fact that he's kind of jumped up very quickly does, I mean, I just I just misread that I thought like this was kind of priced in. Like I thought people realized Cook was gone because it seemed so obvious that he was going to be gone. But no, there was an additional bump here. So I should have taken more Madison prior to the obvious Cook release. Uh, I don't think that I will take him again if he goes kind of in the, the like round five range. I just think he's like a quintessential dead zone back at that price. Um and I think, you know, the reason that I don't like to take these backs in, you know, one of the reasons is that they're susceptible to losing work as the season goes on. So if I'm going to be taking Madison, like I would be more inclined to do it in a format that doesn't have a three week sprint. So I think in particular in best ball mania, he just strikes me as, as pretty unappealing. So he's going right now, just to give some context. He's going right now at pick 65. That's ahead of guys like Swift, uh, his former teammate, Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers, Pacheco, um, and just behind guys like Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbin. So that's I think you can justify in. that, but it does seem like he's moving up. I saw some stuff yeah. original, you know, right after the he, people saw him on like the 3-4 the turn type of area. I don't think he'll settle there, but there was like a lot of optimism about how she, he should be like ahead of Miles Sanders in that crew. And if he does settle there, that's what I'm saying. I probably won't have any. Mm-hmm. Davis, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions for where he ultimately ends up? And will you be drafting him at all? Uh, I've not taken him since the news. I was taking him before because I just thought it was so perfectly telegraphed what was going to happen. Yep. But I, I mean, 
exactly what we said was going to happen, which is whatever ETR's ranking is right about where he's going to get drafted. ETR ranked him running back 16. He's going right about running back 16 since the Dalvin Cook news. Uh, I prefer every dude who goes ahead of him except for Miles Sanders. I like Pierce more. I like Dobbins a lot more. I like Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon a lot more. My prediction the day it happened was that he would end up going where Kenneth Walker's going. We'll see. Uh, and, you know, it'll really depend on, oh, you know, Ty Chandler. They really, you know, Ty Chandler's doing everything. The coaches ask. He's playing on third downs. They're uh, wait until we get the first. They're actually going to use Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison together on the field. At the same oh, time. Wait until wait until we get that one. Uh, then then we'll see what happens. But I think, uh, Pat, I mean, you, you forgot the first rule of fantasy football, which is that the community will like a guy until he burns them. Alexander Madison has never had a start in which he was bad. There's never been a time where you picked Madison up off the waiver wire, where you held him all year and you started him and, and you got screwed, right? Not, I believe, I, I want to say maybe there was one start that he got hurt himself in. But uh, by and large, I, th- I think his fantasy points per game in starts is like 19 and a half or something. Yeah, like, half PPR, Davis. I have it pulled up. It's 18 and a half and half PPR. Yep. I think so, he's had one, like one dud start in there, but then a couple of like, huge smash starts. So like that, I think you, I mean, like we should at least present the bull case. For, I think I agree with you guys, but like, let me, let me do devil's Well, if he just gets Dalvin Cook's workload, he's mispriced by two rounds. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that I, I largely agree with like the, the dead zone arguments. He's not a guy that we love his talent, but I mean, his back, it's not like we can get overly excited about these backups. So I, I don't know. I think like I would probably fairly price him at like pick 60. I think I'd have him just ahead of Sanders and just behind like Dobbins, Aaron Jones mixed in. But like, I do see a world where like, oh, we get so worried about, you know, Ty Chandler, you know, an undersized committee college back who got, zero offensive snaps last year until week 18 you know Dwayne McBride who has the lowest yards per route run of any running back like ever in college like it's not like these backups are tremendously interesting so I do see a world where he holds on to the job the whole year and is like a slight win uh at his at his price but um yeah I mean well, I, look I, I mean we pretty much any running back in the league you know I don't know. There's probably 50 running. Let's, there's like probably 50 running backs in the NFL where if you were to give them an 80% snap share, they would be a smash. And yes. he, he is in that group. If he has an 80% snap share all year, you're, he's going to be the guy. But like, mm-hmm. I guess the fact that he's been a smash in uh, games where Dalvin Cook hasn't played, you know, that's that's great. But it we, we talk about that. One of the reasons that I like going – zero zero running back or just kind of targeting these like uh, anti-fragile type of running back guys is that a lot of times the backup will consolidate work when the starter goes down ahead of them or you know you have like like I imagine like AJ Dillon if if Aaron Jones would have missed time AJ Dillon would get like a lot of work but in a season where they didn't have Aaron Jones would we expect AJ Dillon to get a ton of work or we expect them to you know figure out what the rotation is going to look like beyond just the main guy. So sometimes in season, the running back, the capable RB two steps up, he handles everything. It's awesome, but that's not necessarily generalizable to an entire season. You know, when they go into the season, knowing that, that the RB two is now the RB one. So yeah, the bull case to me is 
he just gets 80% of the snaps and he just like kind of has the season Josh Jacobs had last year. Yeah. I mean, it's a good season, right? I mean, it's a good yeah, season. The Vikings, good season. the Vikings off the Vikings offense is pretty good. The question really is, does one of McBride and Wangu or Ty Chandler make a serious case to be either, and it can go either way, right? So in Wangu and Chandler would sort of be like they would take the third down work, and if that happened, that would not be good. The other thing that would not be good would be if Dwayne McBride becomes Jamal Williams, right? And both of those things would would make Madison more of a trap back. But, I mean, you know, to be fair to the market, you compare the guys who are going after him. Uh, Swift, to me, has like sub-10% chance of getting an RB1 workload. Maybe that, that, that might even be too high. Dalvin Cook, I think, completely left for dead. Akers, I mean, you know, who who knows what's going to go on with the Rams, right? I feel, and, and their offense might be way worse. I I auto drafted Akers with your star trick. I I just and I <laughs> let it I let it tick down. I like forgot. I've been drafting on a computer where I don't use it because it screws up my queue, and I've got like sure. the, the spike week tool. So then on my phone, I switched over and I was I had Jerry Judy at a nice value in the fourth round, and I was just like doing something. And I was like letting it tick down. <laughs> and it ticked down to zero and fourth round cam makers popped up you more. gotta you gotta if you're gonna do if you're gonna do the awful. star all of the correlating players trick you gotta really be on your game you cannot you gotta, be, you cannot yeah. be like yeah. like i've i've learned that the hard way um you know like doing one draft at a time making dinner walking the dogs whatever mm-hmm. that's the gto time to do the star everyone is when you're multi-tabling when you're doing like four or five and you're you're doing cardio or or, or just sitting on the couch or whatever uh because yeah you'll get i mean and i've had some terrible ones you know it's Derek bad. Carr, Derek Carr in the second round after you take Devontae. like i've had some really really bad ones so it's uh it's definitely a little bit of a- I, I had one line i had one last year where i was doing like the walking my dog and i went through like a, a dead spot in cell yep. service i was up in maine and like sometimes where i'm ooh, living like the cell service is ooh. trash i had I think Justin Jefferson in the first, so start all the Vikings, ended up getting like Adam Thielen auto-drafted in the third. And I could like, the worst part too is I could see it coming. Like it wasn't that I looked away from my phone, like the countdown it's, it's was It's that going you literally down. cannot and, click yeah, the button. Yeah, and I was trying to click it and I just, I couldn't do anything about it and just got Adam <sighs> Thielen in the third. So um, just a disaster. It's, you got to be careful with that brutal. strategy. But, but you know, you'll you get people, you'll get people on Twitter who will be like, I can't believe you do this. Like you're like, you're, you wasted. A, it's like, I'm pretty sure I, my guess is you're gaining much more EV by just, yeah. especially if you're multi-tabling by knowing exactly who you need to click. Like if you're, if you're multi-tabling and you're not doing this, you're just going to draft uncorrelated teams. Your brain, your brain you does are, not yeah. have enough capacity. Your I brain does not star. have enough capacity. I love the starring strategy. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my my feeling on uh, the whole that whole tier though, like I kind of like Dobbins. Dobbins, someone I don't think I've drafted him a ton, but I'm he's one of the guys as I'm like reviewing what I've done. I'm like I should probably take more Dobbins. I think there's scenarios where that offense is awesome, where he looks way better after you know the second year after the the multi ligament tear. Uh, there's like upside scenarios I can see for Dobbins. I think like at his height, Dobbins was super talented. So you know I yeah. kind of get on board with that. But I just am not taking a lot of these running. I mean, this is the dead zone to me. You know, yes. the mm-hmm. the Sanders, the the Aaron Jones. I mean, this they're priced a little bit later, a little bit lower than they have historically been. Three years ago, these guys would have probably been like fourth round picks or whatever. But uh, this is still a range where there's a lot of opportunity cost. You know, 
elite tight ends are often available in the sixth round now. I mean, sixth round Kittle has somehow become a thing. It's crazy. So I actually think there's a sixth round Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I I see seventh round Kyle Pitts now sometimes. Goddard's Mm -hmm. regularly in the seventh. I think the sixth and the seventh round are still coming with a lot of opportunity cost. And so I just don't have a lot of interest in taking any of these sixth round running backs. It's like Miles Sanders, I have very little of. Um, Yeah. So it's more of an overall type of thing for me rather than quibbling about, oh, he should be before or after Sanders. Like, I'm not drafting Sanders, so I don't really care. You know? Yeah. That's fair. The, the one guy I am drafting a little bit of recently in this range, well, two guys. I am drafting Kenneth Walker. I think like Same. he's not he's really the typical dead zone profile because, I mean, there's, there's a success rate stuff. We don't need to do that whole conversation, but I think his talent is success awesome. Rate, under- success rate just doesn't understand Kenneth Walker's genius. Yeah, yeah. They don't understand Kenneth Walker going Burr, well, uh, for, for seven years touchdowns. He does, just, he does something really well. Like He is an yeah. incredible breakaway runner. You know, I so, take I take both Seattle running backs. I think I, think I take the, both. I take both. Yeah, no, like the likelihood. Teams, but, yeah, I mean, I've taken them both on the same team. I don't care, but I think they're I, a direct bet against each other. I think they they are they are. But imagine if you had taken Walker and Penny on a bunch of teams together that's, last year. You, you got you got like five baller ass weeks, and then you got Kenneth Walker closing the season. Different really prices hot. though. They were both in that yeah. kind of sure. single digit round. Yeah. I've done both when they both I've done both like once, I think, because they both slipped past like around past ADP. And I was like, at this point, sure. I think there's a world where this works out. But anyways, back to what I was saying, like, I think for me, I will have absolutely zero Madison once he gets above Dobbins, Mixon, Walker, because I think, you know, you can just make I'm not drafting like a ton of those other guys, but I will never draft Madison over those guys because I think the talent is just a lot better like the offensive ceiling for Cincinnati Baltimore Seattle I think is a lot better than it is for Minnesota so like I can kind of see like yeah above Sanders Sanders talent's probably better Minnesota's offensive situation is probably better like I can I can maybe see why if you were forced to draft a running back there which you never are but if you're forced to I can see going yeah, you, you never are <laughs> yeah like the, the builds where I'll have Madison and it won't be a lot is probably if I go Lots of wide receivers, lots of quarterbacks, lots of tight ends early. And then Madison slips like eight picks past ADP. And then yeah. at that point, I think he can pay off if he's your first running back. Um, I think I think his points will will be more valuable there. So that's what um, it is for me. If like I was in a draft where I had a lot of wide receivers, the you know, I didn't have a chance to get an elite quarterback. So I feel really good at wide receiver. Kittle and Pitts go. And like I don't have any Eagles, and I'm like I don't feel like taking Goddard here. And Madison's like, you know, it's the end of the sixth round, and Madison's sitting there. I'd be like, okay, that's yeah. a good price. I'll take him. That's that's what it would be. That's like sort of what Sanders is to me. So, mm-hmm. whereas Dobbins, I'll sometimes take Dobbins in that like fifth, sixth turn area and feel okay. Yeah, I take Dobbins. I take Dobbins a lot with Lamar because Lamar yeah, is like if you if you if you miss out on Mark Andrews, he's kind of hard to correlate and both Bateman and Zay have, it's hard to get both of them. Just yeah. The way, just the way you can get one of them of, pretty easily. You get one of them every time. Right. But I yeah. mean, if, if you're taking a third round quarterback, you'd like to have like three or four of his teammates, ideally, sure. I think. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I will be chasing the ghost of Mark Ingram's 2019 season for the rest of my life, you know, because that should have been justice Hill that, that Mark Ingram season should have been justice Hill and I'll never, ever forget it. <laughs> I take some Gus Edwards too. Yeah. I mean, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is like 
if if that dude stays healthy for 17 games, you're getting 150 PPR points or half PPR points. That sounds pretty. I think the only thing you're dodging with Edwards is like the. I guess he's not fully healthy right now, and I think you're dodging them like signing yeah. all these vets at this point. But I, I've still been taking. I've been taking him. Let's uh let's put the fall or the excuse me the risers on the chart here. So these are the largest risers of the past week. Before we completely move on from the Madison conversation, Ty Chandler is on this chart. Uh, rose 16 spots in ADP. Davis, I'm curious if you are taking bets on the Minnesota running back to who is your favorite out of Chandler. Chandler? I, I'm trying Chandler. to take Chandler. I'm trying to take Chandler every single time. Um, hmm. Cause I think he and, and Wangu are like the same skill set, but Chandler, I think is like the more effective. I mean, if you just look at their college stats, like in uh, Wangu was like a scat back punt returner, kick returner, just like insane athlete in college. And, you know, kind of, kind of in like a Jarek McKinnon style way, just taught himself how to play running back. Whereas Tyler, Ty Chandler is just a, a running back, you know? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if he's like a great one, but he's like pretty athletic, uh, four, three, eight at 205 pounds. And the thing is McBride, I think is going to run into the, you know, the Ronald Jones problem where unless he, unless he figures out how to play special teams, if you're not the third down specialist, you're, and you're just kind of like a running back, He's gonna be he's gonna be the healthy scratch, right? In, in, unless one of the other running backs ahead of him gets hurt. Whereas I think Chandler just should be active on game day as the second running back, right? I mean that that's the way I would project it right now. And I, I think the market has not adjusted enough for some of this stuff yet. Like Dalvin Cook is gonna be a Miami Dolphin, but three Dolphins running backs all go ahead of Ty Chandler, um, and and. Like one of these Dolphins backs is either going to get cut or is like not going to play at all, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's yeah, I kind of stopped drafted. I'm not really drafting them right now. I was taking a bunch of them early, saying like, well, you know, this Dalvin Cook thing has kept going on, so maybe there's something to mine there. I mean, the other thing is, is Cook might just be absolutely like unplayable, like he might just be done. So maybe it doesn't matter to the Dolphins teams we've already drafted. But long-winded way of saying, I'm pretty much taking Ty Chandler as my fifth or sixth running back like every team I'm drafting right now, assuming someone else didn't take him, you know, someone else didn't get uh, jumped him in the 16th round or whatever. Yeah. Pat, what are your thoughts? Cause I think I'm a little more into McBride, but curious what you think on, on the Vikings running back to situation. I mean, if I was like a Vikings coach, I'd be way more intrigued by McBride. You know, he's sort of a two down compliment um, in Madison. The strength of what he brings is really versatility. And so I think McBride would be like a pretty interesting kind of Khalil Herbert type of guy, like a little bit of an explosive rushing element that you'd add. But we're not in charge of the Vikings. And I think what probably will happen is exactly what Davis lined out, laid out, which is, you know, it's not just that McBride, I don't think he's going to play a lot of special teams. It's that like Kenny and Wongwu was like drafted to play special teams. To play that's special he, teams. That's what he does. That's why he's on the roster. So, like, he's going to be active. So now it comes down to Chandler versus McBride, and one of them is going to be inactive. And McBride missed the the OTA period with I, – I forget exactly what. But he didn't – he wasn't around. So he's also day three rookie. He was like, what, a sixth-round pick? The odds are that he will not really see the field much this year. So yeah. I think Chandler's probably – I think I should be drafting more Chandler. I, I've I've been mixing him in at the end of drafts, but I I like Davis's approach better. 
Yeah. So I guess my pushback there is that I get that McBride is a late, what, seventh round pick as a rookie, but Chandler was also a day three pick last year who saw zero offensive snaps until week 18. Like, I don't think we have any evidence that that's very, that's very Vikings though. Right. That's, that's, that's what they do. Like Mike, Mike Boone, great example of this. Like Mike Boone was pretty, that's a different staff. That was a different staff. Institutional memory, yeah. bro. Institutional but, memory. Anyways, I think my point is like I, I'm not saying I'm confident it's McBride, but like I so the reason I'm I'm probably not taking a ton of Chandler, especially if his price rises up, is I think the scenario you outlined for McBride being the healthy scratch could easily be Chandler. Um like I I don't know. I don't think we have any evidence that the Vikings like Chandler. Like they took him what a round earlier, but I mean zero offensive snaps until week 18 last year, like I don't know, man. I, like, I don't think we have much signal about how. Yeah, you can read it as a player. You the can read it. Are, you can read it whatever way you want. You can. The for for whatever is- for whatever it's worth, in the games that Ty Chandler was active for last year, he was a core four special teamer. So he was active in week mm-hmm. four. He played mm-hmm. nineteen special team snaps. He was active in week five. He played nine special team snaps, and he was active in week eighteen and played eleven special team snaps. Which means he was on punt, kick kickoff coverage which is i know it's really boring shit but like this this reading the tea leaves on special teams with second and third running backs is like an actual an actual skill right you know it's what it's what i mean it cost me money last year because i refused to read the tea leaves but it's what led people to pacheco early on was was being like well he's going to be active for kick returns and so it's like ronald jones what do you do here yeah yeah i think um I mean, yeah, that's a that's a big thing that Chandler's got multiple outs being active. Although I guess you could say, since Nwangu is going to be the kick returner, maybe they're just so. Like, so maybe we maybe we're actually reading it in reverse because because your your third running back is locked in to being your special teamer. So maybe you just take the best running back for running. You back certainly yeah. could, and I, and and maybe that'll be McBride. I mean, McBride has I mean, a McBride better, certainly has a rusher profiles way yes, way much more. better. McBride's profile as a rusher is the best thing any of these guys do, if it translates. I mean, he did it at yeah. UAB, so who knows? But if he's that guy, I mean, he his elusive his elusive rating was off the charts in college. Um, he's like a fairly big – he's not huge, but, you know, he can be a guy that makes a guy miss or powers through a guy, and he's got some juice as a rusher as well. Um he kind of reminds me of like a Damian Pierce type. Like he accelerates quickly. He has no, or Gus Edwards. He, he's got no final gear, but he can be someone who like explodes through the line and, you know, yeah. picks up what's blocked plus five type of guy pretty regularly. So, you know, maybe that, but he needs, he now needs, because the, the other thing is he's missed that period where he had a chance mm-hmm. to impress guys in shorts. He, he doesn't. And he's had, you know, uh, he had an injury in the pre draft period which is one of the reasons that he fell you know if he if he had had a chance to work out and impress guys uh press scouts maybe he's a day two pick um just given how productive he was as a rusher but he's kind of behind the eight ball here uh i will say that you know you could read the quotes that the vikings are given about chandler either way they've been asked about him and you know if he's gonna have a bigger role and they're basically like he's gonna have to so you can say like see they're they're planning on using him or they're like 
fuck. Well, it's like <laughs> I read it. I read it the same way uh, Israel Abanacanda is getting talked about, which is like, yeah, he's gonna have to play because we literally hate Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight. Like these, right. like they are so bad that we're just gonna have to use this fifth round rookie while we're waiting for Brees to get back. Like I don't think it's that they're super enamored with Abanacanda. It's just that they hate the other guys they have on their roster. Right. Mm-hmm. So McBride has maybe an opening that if he impresses, but he, but you know, what, what do you put the odds on that? Like how likely is it? I, that I, I'm pretty, in, I'm camp? pretty into it. I, I think that, um, like the, the Jerome Ford free square used to be able to take him in the 18th yeah, round. I easy. mean, it's complete, it's completely gone. So like I view, like, look at some of these other running backs who were going late, like guys who are unsigned guys who are real cut threats, Zach Evans, you know, might not even, might not even make the team. Joshua mm-hmm. Kelly, you know, Deuce Vaughn. Look, we love Deuce Vaughn here on this program, but he's probably on the outside looking in for a roster spot with Dallas. Like Chandler, I kind of, I kind of think it's between Malik Davis and Ronald Jones, and then Vaughn will do his Vaughn. Like, if they sign Zeke, this all changes. But yeah, sure. Yeah, Nepotism I think well. the, the, the other thing to 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 call out about all these situations, right, is that we still have like what three to four veteran running backs that I think are going to work their way into running back two roles on some team, right? Fournette. Oh yeah. Dalvin cook, Zeke, um, cream hunt, huh. maybe Zeke and cream hunt. You could say, or maybe looking more at RB three roles on teams, but I, I don't know. Zeke like, in the RB two tier. I think just yeah. on name brand alone, someone's going to assume he'll be their RB two. Exactly. So like, that's the thing with Minnesota, you know, they, they cut Dalvin cook and saved 10 million. I think they could justify, you know, Fournette, I don't think is like looking for money, right? He's talked about like going to a team that has a chance to win. The Vikings made the playoffs last year, right? Maybe he strikes out on the Chiefs and other places where he really wants to go and takes two million from the Vikings, right? Like I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not ruling out a veteran running back landing. Dude, if Leonard Fournette, if Leonard Fournette signs with the Vikings, he is gonna get I'm gonna draft the shit out of him. I've I mean, been drafting is, the shit out of him. I, he's yeah. one of my highest owned guys. Like he's free. You can get him in the yeah. 18th round sometime. I do. I do like Fournette much more than Hunt and Zeke. Same. Um, Me too. Point. Yeah. Because he's as cheap as Hunt, but I think he's got more left in terms of like, <laughs> like Fournette's never really had that much, but he's right. But he, but he still has that right. Like he's still big. He can rumble. He can get going. Like okay. And then he's hard to bring down once he's getting going because he's fucking huge. And teams trust him in pass blocking and pass catching and also right. trust him at, at the goal line, right? So, like, he can – he's a guy where if the running back one goes down, he can find himself in a really high value touch role, I think. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's another reason I like him. Yeah, goal line work and dump offs is, like, his whole game. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big – one of the biggest compilers. Um, all right, let's move on from the – viking situation let's talk about the cardinals again this week we have both rondale moore and marquise brown continuing to move up on the d hop news uh rondale is a guy that i personally have come around on more i want to pull out this stat from this is from hayden uh winks on twitter that rondale moore played 77 percent of the wide of two wide receiver sets actually it's actually more than it's actually more than that because he got hurt in one of those games it's it's even higher he had okay. multiple games of 100% snap share. And it, yeah, so it's it's like I in my head I was like Rondell Moore 56, he doesn't play in two wide receiver sets. That's actually not true last year. Now, it's worth noting obviously that in those games 
either Marquise or DeAndre Hopkins was out. So if both those guys had been healthy, certainly he was not going to play in two wide receiver sets in those games. But just how the cards fell last year, that's what happened. Now? Hopkins is gone. Exactly. So I guess, I guess the question, um, I'll, I'll give this to you, Pat. Like, Do you think that Rondell Moore playing in two wide receiver sets is like their plan this year? Or was that just sort of a desperation play last year when they didn't have better, better alternatives? Well, I also think, you know, what is this offense going to look like in terms of base personnel? Because, you know, one thing you can say for Cliff, I don't want to say too much for him, but you're, you, they used a lot of three wide receiver sets. Mm-hmm. You know, they used a ton of three wide receiver sets. So Ron Moore wasn't like always out there, you know, on the outside, even if he's playing, you know, or running 100% yes. of routes. Yes. He could still be in the slot for a lot of those snaps. Um, are they going to use quite as much of that base three wide receiver set under this, you know, new coaching staff? I would guess they use that a fair amount, but that's certainly like a reason to maybe worry a little bit, especially if down the stretch um, they get anything out of Michael Wilson, who's their third round pick. I don't think he's all that much of a threat, but he is kind of a bigger He's sort of an Alec Pierce type. Like if you just want a guy on the outside who's going to run straight down the field and draw the defense, you would put Alec Pierce or well, you put Alec Pierce or Michael Wilson out there <laughs> as opposed to Rondale Moore. Um, and so, you know, if you just think about like who is Rondale Moore really, he strikes me as like the ki- the type of guy who might run between 80 and 85% route rate. Um, as a really good slot receiver, like if he's I've really got, good, I've got your Rondell. I've got your Rondell comp. He's he's Jacoby Myers in this offense, right? Hmm. I don't. That seems like almost overly optimistic to me. I'm well. You're uh, you're drafting him as he's gone up fifty spots in ADP. You're probably feeling optimistic, right? <laughs> well, sure, but. Yeah, I think he's more like he's like a he's like a Tyler Boyd with more explosiveness. Yeah, I mean that that would be that would be the thing would be that this sort of uh, real run after the catch, uh, insane ability that we've always thought he had actually shows himself uh, in in 2021 in Week Two against the Minnesota Vikings. I'll always remember it because I just was so en- enthusiastic about Rondell Moore as a rookie. He scored a what was it like a 65 yard touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings, like whipping and weaving in around the defense the whole way, eight targets, seven receptions, 114 yards, and one touchdown. And uh, that is the last time Rondell Moore ever had a 100-yard game. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing a little – I'm seeming a little facetious, but I do actually think Greg Dorch is still the guy I'm taking here. He's he's free. Why? What's What's the thesis of the play with Dorch? I don't really get it. It's Dorch is the thesis of like, it's really the same as sort of like the two, two thesis or, uh, the high point, a lot of high pointed catches. No, like the, like the, you know, it's like the Paris Campbell. It's just like, he gets in there because he just runs really reliable routes. He never drops the ball. He just, he's just going to be, he's going to be Greg Dorch. He's going to be, he's going to do what he did when he played last year. I don't think he's got any ceiling. Like I think, Craig George has zero 1,000 yard seasons in his range of outcomes. Doesn't have any double digit touchdown seasons in his range of outcomes. But uh, I also, the Dorch thing plays on it's a total train wreck season for Arizona. They're playing Clayton Toon in week 17. 
Kyler never comes back. It's just they they're just trying they're just they they go 0 and 17 and and you know Hollywood uh chips a nail and they're like, all right, bud, let's put you on, let's put you on IR. It's it's that thesis. But wasn't he mostly filling in for Rondell Moore? Isn't that how he I believe I believe I believe he filled in for both Rondale and Hollywood when they got banged up last year. I, I believe that is the case. You you have to tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. So in, in week seven, he ran eight, 16 routes and then 18 routes in week eight. And Rondale had 30 routes and 52 routes. He also played, weeks, he also so. filled in a little bit for Hopkins. I mean, he played 91% of the snaps in week one, right? Before, before anyone was injured. Well, Rondale didn't play week one. That's Rondale right. only okay. played weeks four through 11 so dorch was dorch was relevant in the first three weeks and then his routes took a big hit what what was his we, what was his he was filling in for rondell mostly what was his targets per route run last year i'd be i'd be curious to know that he had 64 I, I, targets on it's got to be kind of decent i would think just because he runs those routes. really easy routes 18 and a half not great it's fine that's the thing with uh, to, to talk about Rondale again. Like the I know the targets for route run stuff like loves Rondale, but I don't think people account for how much of those are schemed. Like screens. loves him the same uh, way yards per it, it loves Kadarius Tony. It's, it's yeah, the same it, thing. It, it, it's and he so he was running a lot. Like I'll give him a little bit more credit than Tony because at least he was running all the routes. But I mean, you look at his stat lines last year, and he had a lot of high target games, but his A dot's going to be really low. I don't know. I like, and then you look at um, some of the wide receiver, wide receiver charting stuff over the last two years, Rondale Moore in terms of open score uh, is like 95th out of 128 qualifying wide receivers. So again, that's not like the end all be all stat, but I'm pretty skeptical. He's a, he's a guy that's going to go out and beat man coverage down the field. Like I just don't, at this point, I think we would have seen a little bit more of that by now that that said, like bring it all around wide receiver 136 for a guy that I think projects to play in two wide receiver sets is not a terrible price. Like I'm not I'd wide receiver a, 36. Sorry. Sorry. ADP of 136 is what yeah. I meant. Sorry. Wide receiver 62. Um, but yeah, he's a, like, I'm, I'm probably taking him ahead of like Romeo dubs is there. I'm, I'm fine. Taking him ahead of dubs. I'll take him ahead of Thielen. Yeah. I'll take him ahead yeah. of probably Darnell Mooney. I would take you ahead of Thielen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine drafting the unless Thielen was I think literally better, uh, short area quickness than Thielen at this point. I think you do too. I've I've seen you play pickleball, and I, I literally I literally can't take. imagine there are two two guys who go Smith Schuster and and Thielen. I just don't know who's clicking. Yeah, those guys. who's taking them? Like, why is Devonte Parker got like it's a zero percent draft rate, <laughs> but Juju Smith Schuster is wide receiver fifty? Guys, Juju, okay, Juju is not that. It's not that bad. I don't take a lot of him. It's not that bad. But it's, it's not that bad. bad. We've talked. Okay, we've talked about. Let's not get sidetracked and do too much. But we talked about how one of the biggest edges this year is just the fact that New England did not have an offensive coordinator last year. This year they do. He's being drafted at wide. I don't think that's a reason to draft a okay. guy who couldn't do shit with Patrick. Yeah, Mahomes. that's exactly. He put up. Okay, exactly. couldn't couldn't do shit. He drew a hundred targets and had nine hundred receiving yards. Like it's if, it's a little if Juju overblown. Had stayed on. The Chiefs, I don't know that I would like him at this price. No, no, I would. I'd, I'd be, be like, oh, man. I'd be come taking on, him man. Fine. Come on. Yeah, I would. He I would come again because wide receiver gets so gross. But he like, got hurt. This, he got hurt. Uh, he was not good. He was not good with Patrick Mahomes. It, no, it's, he's, 
I think I think the more I think the more bearish Juju uh thing is that these are his postseason these are his postseason numbers. Two targets, two receptions against Jacksonville. One target, one reception against the Cincinnati Bengals. Nine targets, seven receptions, fifty-three yards in the Super Bowl. That's super bearish. Good Super I mean, Bowl. To- I heard a good Super Bowl performance right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, did, that's the hey, upside for you. This he, awful, did, man. he did. No. He did. He did. He got hurt. To him. He drew the game winning. He drew the game winning foul against. Yeah. Uh, what's his there name? You go. Yeah, but he how, he went. How he's many points are now. Like he's, he, he's going for the fouls. <laughs> <laughs> he knows he can't get open, so it's just like hold me, hold me, hold me. <laughs> I don't think any of these other risers. I don't think any of these other risers are interesting. Uh, um, well, well, let's touch on Thornton. Because I think, like to your point this about is the just, Patriots, this is all slappy driven. This is all it's all slappy driven. It's this is baked in. This is literally just like Pete's streams making up a bigger percentage of the overall. Yes, and this is this is this is pure slappy. That's all. But I I just wanna I wanna mention Thornton because we legendary upside. We we had to bump uh, Devontae Parker up the ranks just because we're like I guess he's a, a human being who plays football. We should have him. You say as, we had to bump up the ranks. Who who's we? Well, the royal we. But um, so it's like there's. I love a... using the royal we talking about a solo project. I do that all the time talking about the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we really appreciate it, right? <laughs> totally. I do. All I do have a little here. bit of help with the ranks behind the scenes, but yeah. um, but the 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 Patriots thing. I mean, if you just say Juju stinks, I don't feel like drafting the most expensive guy on the on the Patriots, who also is a, a pure slot receiver. I can get. They're two starting outside wide receivers and they're starting tight end for free later. Why wouldn't you do that? It seems like a better way to play it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a better way to, okay. I'm not saying I'm overweight Juju. I'm, I'm going to be underweight Juju, but I don't think he's just like, <laughs> I think the, the hate on Juju is a little overblown. I think he could basically do what Jacoby, like he's going to be in the same role as Jacoby Myers last year. Jacoby Myers, also a guy, not awesome at beating man, kind of a slot. Uh, wide receiver i think myers is better than juju but i think that could be outweighed by the fact that the patriots offense as a whole is going to be way more competent than it was last year so like just put him in the myers role the offense gets a little bit better he does like a little bit worse in terms of like share than myers did and at wide receiver 50 like i don't think it's i don't think it's like awful but i'm not taking one thing one thing that you i will say for myers i don't know if he gets like full credit for the fact that like last year, he played 30% of his snaps out wide. He was at 33%. That was at career low as well. He was at 34% the year before, 35% career um, percentage at out wide. And Juju's been like, I mean, as time has gone on, he's just become more and more of like a pure slot guy. Yeah. So I don't know. He actually did play a lot of his snaps out wide with the Chiefs, but he sucked. So <laughs> he might be back yeah. to the Steelers usage. Like if. This is kind of a nuanced point, but like if Jacoby was on the Patriots, I would be more excited about him than I am Juju. But the fact that Juju like, OK, you, you can say that these other Patriots wide receivers are, are discounted or whatever. But like, man, look at Tyquan Thornton's like targets for outrun yards for outrun last year. Was like bad. it was garbage. Like look at anybody else. It was garbage. Like I think Juju does have a meaningful chance of just like scooping up all the volume in this offense in a way that. Jacoby Myers on the Raiders with Devontae Adams do, does not, right? So that, that's where I'm kind of at. Patriots do seem underpriced because one way this could play out is that Ramondre just 
gets a yeah. ton of Th dump that's the best way to play it you'd be like an ackler type of dude yeah um okay anyways not enough juju talk uh the other other trend i wanted to call out here is mixon is rising and he hasn't had any like i don't think he's been featured on this chart heavily but he's this, just steadily going felt, higher and higher this also <laughs> felt inevitable to me yeah. like because sort of it's sort of like a lindy effect thing where every single day that he's not cut or jailed or traded uh it's just more likely he's going to be the Bengals running back one right so what even is i i actually like did uh, 20 minutes of Googling on Mixon trying to find like any recent news or whatever. Like, have you guys heard any like updates? Cause there's like nothing at like, nothing. I'm kind of pricing in like a very low suspension risk at this point. And I don't know if that's smart or, or not, but like at this point I'm kind of treating it like, I don't know, 10% chance of being suspended or cut. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty uncertain, but there's not a lot of recent buzz about this blowing up for him. I don't know. <clears throat> Could be like it does seem like a low thing. cut risk. Yeah, I think almost. I think almost no <clears throat> cut risk. I mean, the Bengals are trying to win a Super Bowl. Are, they're going into the season with Chris Evans, Travion Williams, and who's the other guy that people like? Chase Chase Brown. Chase Brown. Yeah. No, the Bengals. Bengals are trying to win a Super Bowl. They're not. They're not cutting Mixon right now. The yeah. I think that the concern is that he gets suspended. Um, and I don't know that that's been hard for me to to price the odds of that because uh, nothing has really changed in a positive way since no. this incident surfaced. Like he, I thought like I drafted a ton of him in the the late stage of the big board, which I feel good about now because he he was he's moved up significantly in price since then. But I felt kind of sick to my stomach for a minute after I realized that what I thought then was that this charge had gone away because they like misfiled it and it was, it was pulled, but the charge has not gone away. They refiled it. It was some sort of clerical, whatever the, the police officer did not uh, follow the pr procedure correctly or something. So they like pulled it and then refiled it. Now it's been very quiet since then, but he does still face this charge and that could lead to a suspension. And I don't know. It's sort of like in the absence of not really hearing about it, we're just like. And more by the way, that seems wrong, right? Like we shouldn't get more. We should be exactly the same confident we were a month ago. Mm -hmm. So an interesting thing as it pertains to that. This is my. Uh, if I can be Brian Windhorse here, if I can point for a second. Teams and the league, when it comes to running backs, they throw the hammer down on the suspension because it doesn't matter, right? Like they're they're like Kareem Hunt. You you there's a video of you shoving a woman in a hallway. Cut cut in the yep. middle of a thousand yard, fifteen touchdown season. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Like I mean, Kamara might end up suspended for the year. You know, and and who knows how that goes. I just that's my that is my wind horse pointing meme. Is that when it is a running back who is in trouble? When it is a running back who has this legal thing? I feel like the book can be thrown. Whereas if this was, if this was Jamar chase dealing with this, I mean, the Bengals would be they like, they would like Johnny Cochran would be his lawyer. Right. <laughs> I mean, there would be, there would be a full on a like legal assault to keep mm -hmm. Jamar chase from missing a down of football. Um, so that is my, and obviously I'm not saying that this is morally justifiable. It's, it's fucking gross, but that is that that's definitely something to keep in mind. I, yeah. I completely agree. And by the way, I'm not touching Camaro right now. Um, Zero percent for me. 
yeah, he could be for the whole season, for sure. I think that's in play. I mean, I don't think that's the most likely outcome, but I would say six games is the most likely outcome. I would put anything lower than that is very unlikely. And then all your uncertainty risk is sort of. And he on, might on be, Kamara might be cooked anyway. Kamara might just, Kamara yeah, might, might be, be Kamara might be dust anyway. Like, Taysom Hill. He spent his last it, two seasons being like a workhorse rusher, and, and it seems to have not worked out particularly well for his legs. No. Although that feels that feels more like a tactical error than anything that would have been his fault. Well, it's a it's a double tactical error because like one, it wasn't all that effective because that's not really what he does, and two, it, I think it may have burned him out. Also, yeah. these are Camara's snaps down the stretch, which are these percentages aren't bad for like a normal running back, but. In the context of what Kamara's competition was last year, they're pretty bad. Week 13, 59% of snaps. Week 15, 62% of snaps. Week 16, 70%. Then week 17, back down to 58%. He was losing those snaps to David Johnson and Mark Ingram. Like, the, I don't know. The, I think I, I'm... Well, he I'm got, he got the, hurt, right? Am I am I misremembering that? Didn't, didn't he get hurt? I, I don't know what yeah, the deal he, was with Kamara. He missed a couple games. Like he got he got injured in the middle of this season. Uh I'm not seeing he, he missed week two and week four, but then anyways, like you look at his snap shares like in the middle of the year, then towards the end, it did seem like the Saints were like reducing his workload, which was weird because well he was probably were... beat. He probably was just yeah. like like exhausted. Like I mean, we've like Tony Pollard is ripping off like 37 yard gains and then tapping out for Malik Davis because the Cowboys running back coach wanted him to do that. Like they just, I don't know. I I guess my point is is like, if you, even if you win on Kamara and he doesn't get suspended, you're probably just getting a committee back on the saints. Who's what? 29 years old now and has been worn down the past couple of years. Who plays plays the Buccaneers in week 17 though? Who has Taysom Hill stealing all of his touchdowns to the goal line. I mean, I know, I, all I know, all I know is I just got a vision of Justin Herzig being the only one in the final with Alvin Kamara again, again, <laughs> again. That would be so funny. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, like that, I'm that not, could... I'm not taking him. But if I know he got a three-game suspension, I'm gonna be like, I'm so stupid. I just spent, I just spent an off-season taking AJ Dillon and Antonio Gibson and. Alvin, I could have had 30% Alvin Kamara for 13 games. Like, I'm a moron. Yeah, I, I kind of get it, but I just, I don't know. It's been two years of Kamara, like, kind of being bad. Yeah. And I just think the odds of him getting a three-game suspension are very low. Like, he punched a dude. Yeah. A video. No, we have a video, video of it. it. We have a video after where he talks about making a good connection. That doesn't. I mean, like, I don't think legally that makes all that much of a difference, but, like, Goodell's going to have seen that. Like, it's not good. Yeah. Um, back to Mixon quickly. What's, like, okay, say say we get, I think, like, pricing in the, his odds of suspension is, like, incredibly ambiguous and tough to do. Maybe a little bit easier is, like, figuring out what the win is if we get the news that he's not going to be suspended. Like, what is his ADP if we get the news tomorrow that, you know, these charges were made up, blah, blah, blah. Madison? Gonna... Madison range? No, higher. Well, I thought you just said Kamara. Talking Mixon? Mixon. Oh, Mixon. Did, I say, did I say Kamara? I meant, I meant no, Mixon. Mixon. That was me. That was me. Okay. That was my fault. Um, Mixon goes back to where he was being drafted last year. 2-3 two, three, two, three turn. I don't think he'd be that high. I would say 3-4 turn, like ahead of Najee, but behind Brees. Yeah. 
I think I think the decision is him or ETN. Yeah. Those are sim- like that's a similar yeah. thing where you're like, I'm not sure the like I want to bet on the offense. I'm not sure that he's gonna have every touch. He certainly could get every touch if they committed to him, but I'm not sure if they're gonna commit to him, right? It's like a very similar decision with ETN. I think I'd if I knew that he didn't have any suspension risk, I think I would be taking him over ETN. I would not be taking him over Brees, Ramondre, Josh Jacobs, yeah, Derrick Henry. Like that would be very difficult for me to do, I think. So it's yeah, a weird so the, thing because I actually could you could talk me into like maybe taking him over Jacobs who hasn't signed yet or Henry who's 29, but those guys go earlier. Brees and Ramondre are the two where yeah, I'm like, big I'm big Henry, big Henry guys. is getting big Henry is getting the message out. You know, we're letting we're letting the people know that he plays the Houston <laughs> Texans in week 15 and week 17. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So I guess it is like a win with Mixon, but it's not like this massive, it's no longer this massive ADP win, right? Like you're getting maybe a round and a half discount, which is certainly big, like round three to round five. Like I'm not saying that's nothing, but it's not like when when I was getting him at like 70 or 80, it was like, whoa, I'm getting this steal of a pick. Now I'm kind of like, this is probably about right, given the ambiguous risk. Yeah. And what I do, what I do like about take, I took him on a team the other day. Um and I'm going to be underweight mixing almost certainly, but uh, you know, I've mixed him in and I had that period where I was hammering him at least, but you still can build around him. Like he's a kind of a, a hero running back type of guy, like in a way where I don't really feel comfortable doing that with like Aaron Jones or, you know, Madison or Miles Sanders or whatever, like, or Dobbins, you know, any of those guys, I don't want to build like, this is my week in, week out starter at running back. But I think it with mixing, because there is still that suspension risk, you can do that. You know, mm-hmm. I probably build around him pretty similarly to like a Ramondre or a Jacobs or a Brees, even though I like those guys better. Um, Brees is maybe not not a good example since he might not start the season, but yeah, like a Ramondre or Jacobs, like I probably build a similar team, and you get a a, a decent discount to to make yeah. that build. Like the two v two you're getting on one of those guys. He's pretty You're nice. Getting like uh, Amari Cooper instead of Chris Godwin or something like yeah. two by two. So yeah, it, it's a decent. Um, it still presents an opportunity. Upgrade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It does. Um, okay, let's move on to the fallers here. Uh, so now we're looking at the largest fallers from the past week, June 5th to June 12th. A lot of repeat fallers on this list. And the first most obvious thing that's going to stand out to everyone we have all or four of the top five quarterbacks are on this list. Justin Fields is down. Jalen Hurts is down. Patrick Mahomes is down. Josh Allen is down. Um, so I think the question is now, like maybe, maybe let's focus on like Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts and, and put Fields aside. Like are these guys like undraftable in the second round now because you, you've I, seen I more and more it. people getting them in the third round? Or what, what I push think? it every time. And if it means that I don't get them, like that's fine. Uh, what ends up happening is I have a lot of weird teams where it's like, okay, I take Kelsey, I take Devonta Smith or, or whoever, just the second round pick doesn't matter. Then the quarterback I need, Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, they go. And then I take Lamar a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. I have these weird teams where it's like elite, elite first round, you know, elite wide receiver, elite tight end, elite running back. Then, you know, naked Lamar backdoor it with Bateman or mm-hmm. whomever, um, which is like, I, I I mean, obviously I would like it better to have it with the quarterback that I prefer, 
But I also sort of like that idea of like, that's a weird combo. Most people are probably not doing Kelsey, Saquon Barkley. You miss on Mahomes. You try, you try, you try and press it. You miss on Mahomes, but instead you just take Lamar. Like that's that gives you like a weird sort of leverage in. Like, what if Kelsey has twenty-one points, which is you know probably far and away the most points that someone scores in Week Seventeen at tight end? But Mahomes just has like twenty-four. You know, just a, a three hundred and three, like a normal good game. Mm-hmm. You know, there are probably lots of paths to non-Mahomes teams winning. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um... The the fall does feel like something where the rest of the quarterback prices really do matter to try to figure out how to attack it. Uh, where like on DraftKings, I'm still a little bit more willing to take the second round quarterback because I feel, you know, like I'm going to get, I mean, you're still getting that third round running back that it also feels like an unusual price. I really like Mark Andrews in the third round. Um, so like, I kind of still, if you, even if I take a second round quarterback uh, on DraftKings, I, I still end up liking my first three picks and feeling like these are, you know, three guys that are going to be like no one else is going to have these three guys plus like a really good second rounder, you know. Um, <clears throat> and quarterback on DraftKings is, is trickier, you know. Sometimes you'll just there's more auto drafters. You'll see. I, I take quarterbacks at ADP or ahead of ADP on DraftKings because I just I I I hate the idea of drafting 150 teams there but going into the season with like sick dude you have a bunch of Daniel Jones and Derek Carr back yeah. stacks like it's just I just hate that idea so you got to yeah. it's but it makes up for it. you 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 get made up for that on DraftKings by a bunch of the skill position players exactly. you and you can get JSN later you can get Johnson like all these Way guys later. are so much cheaper there yeah yeah, so you just you pay your little premium on DraftKings to like make sure that you have an overall portfolio of teams you're going to like. So you pay that premium a little bit of quarterback, and then you get to bask in the glory of all of this value that sweeps over you at wide receiver and running back and stuff. So that's if I'm going to still draft the second round quarterbacks right now, it's really primarily on DraftKings. Um, I think the fact that Fields is falling, like. I sometimes see I, I wrote an article where I was saying it's really nice right now how you can do the you can do the DJ more uh at the end of the fourth and then try to get fields to come back in the fifth, you know, and then if you don't get that, maybe you can get Christian Kirk in the early fifth and do the same thing again with Trevor Lawrence um in the sixth round. But I've seen like I took DJ Moore in the fifth round on underdog and Fields was also there. Like so yeah. like people just passed on that whole thing entirely with Fields falling into the fifth sometimes. It, it does make it's like, dude, if I can get fifth round fields, like, am I am I taking second round Josh Allen or second round Jalen Hurts? It's just way less appealing. And Anthony Richardson is also falling. I I see him in the ninth round, uh, mm-hmm. a decent amount now. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I want to get the upside of quarterback, but pay as little as possible. And you're getting the upside cheaper across the board. So if it was just this pocket falling. I might be like inclined to hammer them at, at the cheapest prices we've gotten so far, but because everybody seems to be falling, I'm kind of pushing pushing it further and seeing if I can get like mid third, which yeah. I usually don't, but I'm but I'm trying. So I've been getting the past couple of days. I've been getting a lot of uh, like pick thirty Josh Allen, pick thirty Jalen Hurts, even on teams where I don't have the pass catchers on those teams. I'm totally fine grabbing uh, the naked Allen and Hurts there because. It's this like micro take for me where I thought that in the late second, 
it's really tough to click Hertz or Allen over Brees, over Ramondre, over Derrick Henry. If you like the wide receivers, you can throw them in there as well. But then once those guys are gone and you're staring at pick 30 of like naked Jalen Hurts versus Calvin Ridley, like that's a hammer hurts for me. And I'm even like, maybe I'm different from most people here, but I'm even fine if I don't get Goddard. Like I'll, I'll certainly reach like a half round to get Goddard and would like to get him there if I have a naked hurts. But like, man, I think naked hurts at pick. The, the move, totally the move with naked hurts is to giga stack another game, you know, Broncos, mm. Chargers, yep. Colts, Raiders, whatever. And then you have Jalen hurts score three rushing touchdowns in week 17 and AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Goddard, none of those dudes get fed at all. And you have the the 34 ball from Jalen Hurts, but the Jalen Hurts stacks that get there to the final are are carrying, you know, first round AJ Brown 11 points or whatever. That's that's the move if you get the Hurts past ADP team, I think. Seattle's yeah. nice because you can go get Lockett and well, you can't really get Lockett and JSN all that reliably but you can you can pull it off 30 percent of the time it it, yeah you can can do it yeah and the josh allen naked is even is even better because there's so many like the wide receiver three there the the market's kind of throwing up their hands and saying we don't know if it's going to be hardy or shakir you know kincaid i don't love his price but in a stack it's like a pretty cheap piece to get i'm fine with kincaid if you have it stacked with allen like you can find guys pretty cheap in buffalo now uh, which I think shows up like we've showed this chart a bunch, but this like mega stack chart for Buffalo, like they're not even in the top 10 or maybe like they're right at 10 in terms of most expensive offenses. Like the market is not really pricing up these Buffalo secondary. They're trying to. The, the the Kincaid slappies are really trying to. They're trying to, but well, it's still pretty cheap. But Shakir's falling. I see Shakir just sitting there past ADP a lot of times. You, you can like, get Shakir and Hardy round 18 pretty reliably. That's what I've been I, doing. And ha- I've been doing both Shakir and Hardy 17, 18 when I have Allen. I say, fuck it. Like one of these guys is going to probably be a bust, but like maybe even not like Allen or, or uh, sorry, Gabe Davis or Diggs gets hurt and suddenly both those guys are relevant, right? So on DraftKings, I've done that without Allen. I've taken Shakir and Hardy because I'm like, last year we had, you know, Oh, Jameson Crowder is the guy, you know, he's going to, he's going like what in the 12th or 13th round. And then uh, McKenzie was free and then it flipped. And then McKenzie was like in the 12th round and, and Crowder was free. But like this year, both guys are free. Those are the wide receiver three and four on the bills, right? Like I'm not, I'm not missing anybody. So I guess the guy I'm missing, right. Is um, Dalton Kincaid, but. I, so I get to bet against a rookie tight end with two wide receivers, one of whom is really, are, really fast. When are the, the, the slappies going to tap out on Kincaid? I don't know that they are. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was the slappy last year with Albert O, right? I, and I wasn't letting it go. And then eventually I did. I stopped taking him. He, I think the lowest he got was like tight end 15. But then there was the false, false flag where Albert O ended up getting more expensive right at the end again. After after they said Dulcich was going to be on the IR, he ended up oh, getting right. like the last like two weeks. He ended up getting expensive again. Unbelievable. Yeah, the Kincaid stuff. I, so I don't love his price in a vacuum. The reason like I'm maybe not as down on him as you guys, and I would take him like an Allen stacks pretty pretty happily, is that like the Bills over the past couple of years have just thrown so many times and ran so many plays 
that I think a 55, 60% route participation tight end on the Bills is yeah, equivalent to like a 90% participation tight end on the Panthers, right? Like it's not sure. Like once, once you do the math there, like it's probably not as bad as it looks and like i think there is upside just because i am not a gabe davis talent believer like put me on the record for that and like besides digs like i i kind of see the upside but yeah i'm not i'm not taking him on stack like i'm i'm easily just taking a running back there i, I take um, i take kincaid with josh allen i'm man enough i'm man enough to admit it if i have a josh allen team i'll take him i don't really take him I, i'm sure i have it but i just i don't really i don't look to do it really i'm just like to me, Knox is the starting tight end there. You can get him really late. And I would, I um, would just love the, uh, you know, win winning a million dollars with Josh Allen, Dalton Kincaid, and then the haters just pull a bunch of clips of me saying Dalton Kincaid is the worst ADP in fantasy football history. <laughs> that would be pretty just, great. Then you just send the screenshot of uh, the million dollars. Yeah. Um, this, I've been hearing this too, like Buffalo, uh, Hunter Renfro, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. <clears throat> They just signed, and this is where my lack of defensive knowledge hurts me, but they just signed someone to a big deal on defense that I'm blanking on they now. Like their their yeah. cap space is like they, they certainly they extended out uh at Oliver. At Oliver, right. They so they can restructure and I'm sure they can fit in like a Renfro or Hopkins, but those guys like Renfro's contract's expensive. Hopkins is asking for a lot of money. Like it's no longer trivial for them to add those guys. So I do get you can lose on the Hardy and Shakir bets by them making a trade for a veteran sure but i would not say that's the most likely outcome at this point i do take some run for because there's lots of rumors that he's going to get traded um this is like a hilarious uh this is like i don't know if this is information or not probably not but the raiders pro shop was offering a discount on hunter Renfro jerseys <laughs> this is like the dalvin cook remove from but the, there was there the was a report thing. there was a report Last week from the athletic that there's been no chatter, there's been no movement on a Renfro trade. There's been no movement, but I don't think there's not. The Raiders seem open to it. There yeah. hasn't been any movement in a, on a trade. But, I mean, it does I mean, seem it like makes... a really bad schematic fit having Renfro, Jacoby Myers, and Michael Meyer all running routes together, and like, and Devonta Adams, who historically yeah, has run a ton of routes side of the slot. Yeah, yeah, they're all just going up. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they build they build the whole offense out of the trips bunch, right? So it's just it's just <laughs> Adams is in the front, Myers is right there, Renfro's right there. They're all standing in a little triangle on the right side. Michael Meyer on the other side, Jacobs in the backfield. That's every play. Beautiful. The the entire like last ten years of football has been like taking advantage of horizontal space on the field, and Josh McDaniels is just gonna have everyone lined up right next to each other, like a like a giant jumbo set. Hmm. Josh McDaniel, yeah, man, Josh McDaniels, uh, that hire's looking, that hire's looking really good right now. Um, other fairness, guys, there was, there was no evidence of that this could happen that he would just come in and tank a franchise. No, there, that never happened before. Yeah. Uh, and also, I mean, you look at the the Belichick coaching tree, and all those guys have been huge successes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't, really, yeah. you can't really blame them for trying it. <laughs> Pretty good architect, uh, uh, <laughs> Other guys, I wanted to call. I, I do think what's interesting here. Uh, moving on from the quarterbacks is both Bijan and Taylor falling. And now that's not, this isn't huge, like raw ADP falls. They obviously show up in this chart because uh, when you're going at pick 10, a one drop, uh, one spot drop in ADP is, is huge on a percentage basis. Um, but I, that's I don't get this. Why is he falling? 
I think it's just wide. Like, so you go back to the risers chart. Um, you see Devonta Smith and Garrett Wilson both showing up here. And if this chart extended further, um, AJ Brown, some of these other wide receivers are going up slightly too. So I think it's just like the continued wide receiver thirst is continuing to punish my the. My theory is it's Eckler. I think there's sure. only so many guys in the first round in a given draft who want to take a running back. Yeah. And now they're taking Eckler. And so then okay. you get the. You know, just odds are based on who's drafting right now. It's like I don't want to start my draft with a. With and that a actually, back guys, are I think that actually kind of makes common. sense. Like Eckler probably scores more fantasy points than Bijan, so like seems fine. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll also say though, like uh, McCaffrey is down. <laughs> um, he would be like 14th on this chart. Uh, Brees Hall is down a spot. Tony Pollard is down a spot. I don't think it's entirely explained by Eckler. I, I I don't see Eckler on my list here. He he might be up slightly, but um, I, I would say he's that's up from he's up from like three weeks ago, right? He's yeah. kind of regained his one hundred eight yeah. so type of Eckler's only up point uh, two spots this week, and like a ton of these early running backs are down like a mm. full spot. So I the do puppy think it's is more... another reason for this, then, right? Because the puppy yeah. when I'm in the puppy, I do think twice about taking McCaffrey. Whereas in Best Ball Mania, I just I, I take him. I don't really like why. Why him. do you think twice about taking him in the puppy? Because I know all these sickos are going to take all the receivers. I'm looking at like sometimes in the second round. I'm like, like I've I've started in the puppy, McCaffrey, you know, Pollard, Brees, so fair amount like that. The, that type of which, hey, that, I think that's a pretty good start. But like, God, immediately the rest of my draft is just like, all right, I'm just chasing receiver. I'm I'm I reach for guys that I like because I'm like, I don't. I'm like less willing to trust the market when I'm like do you desperate know, for do, receiver points. Do you know why this is a, a is not even a big deal, dude? Because then on those teams, you just take an elite quarterback. You take an Allen. You take uh, Mahomes. You take take one of these guys. You can. How back do I get Allen Mahomes? I've taken three running backs to start. Oh, I just mean when you take. I just mean when you take CMC. Oh, okay. And then and then you can fill out your wide receiver numbers with guys who correlate. Right, you you, yeah. take, you you get Mahomes, you get Mahomes, and you take Boyd, Sky, and Rice. So you get three correlated pieces, and yeah. and you're and I think also another thing is to consciously make those eight wide receiver teams. Maybe you know, like yeah. do two quarterback, two tight end. On I team. really like that, David. That strategic bet of like, it, so in I am like generally doing the four wide receivers through through seven or, or eight rule, but the the rare times where like. Or, or may, say maybe I do five, four wide receivers through eight, but it's all like rounds five through eight or rounds four through seven or whatever. In those builds, I'm very consciously going, okay, I'm now going to bet on one team where their pass catchers are all going late, and I'm just going to grab all those guys. So I'm going to bet on the Panthers, and I'm going to go DJ Chark, Mingo, stack it up with Bryce Young, and then I say, okay, if the Panthers are just like the 19th best offense in the NFL this year, then these wide receivers are gonna save me. So I do really like like Patriots, like Texans, yeah, Giants. Uh, Giants. Yeah, lots of ways you can do it. Rams. And obviously, you you would not want to draft 150 <laughs> teams that way. But yeah. I don't. I do not want to go into the season being like, hell yeah, dude! I got two Christian McCaffrey teams in Best Ball Mania. You know, no, because yeah, because I was too afraid of getting buried by the Avalanche. Yeah, no. well, and I'm less afraid of the Avalanche in Best Ball Mania right now because a lot of the Avalanche drafters are over in the puppy, and I think that'll be even more true as the puppy gets closer to filling. I, you want to get your puppies well, in. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I just take who's ever at the top of the queue in round one. I don't. I don't. I basically do I, that too. I I don't do 
Now, last year was the exact opposite, where I took huge stands in round one. I took McCaffrey every time he was available when I was there. And uh, I took Kelsey a ton, too. I took Kelsey ahead of ADP a lot. Um, this year, I just think I think round one, I think the round one ADP is is just right. Like I think I think it's just yeah. I think it's pretty correct. Yeah, I, I have some like I have some very micro stands that like I don't even know if it's worth talking. Like I, I I'm taking AJ Brown over Diggs. Oh, I do that that's, too. That's just like age age model. Like uh, I think there's hidden upside. <laughs> that's in the that's vibes catchers. based. That's vibes based analysis, and I'm on board that, with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I also I don't know take, it's totally vibes based. I mean, AJ Brown is an absolute superstar. He's younger, and he showed in ultra elite ceiling last year like yeah. if you if you get one of those giant you know aj brown versus the steelers aj brown versus the titans types of games um and do you and like, they do don't you pull care? their starters either Corrine, do you care at all that aj brown's week 17 game may be the least competitive like it might have a 14 and a half point spread like are you Ky- what if you- kyler's back though i don't know could I'm not. I'm not saying it's a reason not to take him, but uh, in the game of like, aren't you worried that we play? You know, aren't aren't you worried about uh, Darius Slay? Aren't you worried about whatever? Like, it's something I've thought about of being like that could actually be the least competitive Week 17 game by like a lot. Yeah, I mean that that is not ideal. That they could just be resting everybody. They could have shut down Kyler, but we saw. I mean, the Eagles were steamrolling teams last year. And they were putting up a ton right. of points on the way to do it. Hundred percent, It's not. It's not the kind of thing that you can be like. I'm going to take a stand on what I expect the Week 17 Arizona Cardinals to look like. Right. And also, like, you know, if they demolish the Cardinals, like, there will be points in that demolition in in the first half. Sure, someone yeah. someone on the Eagles is going off in the first half. Someone right. uh, someone on the Eagles the Card- is having a great game. Right. Because the Cardinals' defense stinks too. Like, it's not. You know, if, if they're resting starters on defense like holy crap it could be they could i could only need like you know one half for for my eagles but plus it's hard to like fully kind of jumbo stack the eagles as well mega stack them you know you you can but it it's difficult so you you generally are like one or two guys plus another thing on um sorry sorry to interrupt there but another thing on jalen like the eagles that's super exciting jalen hurts literally had more than double um his total passing yards sorry he, he more than doubled up his second half passing yards in the first half of games last year in the first half of games he had 2500 passing yards in the second half of games he had just 1200 so like if the eagles aren't as dominant obviously like there's a little you know if they're not as dominant in the first half those first half stats won't look as good but like they were just completely blowing teams out of the building and not even having to try in the second half of games last year. If their defense is a little bit worse, their schedule is a little bit harder, like some things break in a different way. I think the passing numbers for the Eagles could really, uh, really skyrocket in a way that the market's not not fully baking in. So They were um, not afraid to pass. They were not afraid to attack deep. Like this is a team that I think can be quite aggressive through the year, even though like if you look at their overall rush first pass stuff because they all they weren't afraid to run it down people's throats either but they had they have multiple approaches you know they, yeah. they it's like <clears throat> and what i loved about the eagles is they were like predictable if they went into a matchup where there was no pass rush bad secondary like it was pretty easy bet that they were just gonna chuck it deep and and that works that works super well i mean aj brown was 
unstoppable deep last year. So I think, um, yeah, they'll probably run it down people's throats a fair amount because they're going to be good. But I agree. If if they need to get in a few more shootouts, like they're they're not going to shy away from that. This is not the Bears or the Falcons. Like they they don't need to like rush it a certain amount of times to feel good about their game plan or whatever. Like they'll go toe to toe with people. Yeah, and again, just to phrase it slightly differently, like Jalen Hurts would have surpassed five thousand yards in fifteen games played if you just take his first half stats and apply it to the second half. Now, obviously, you can't quite do that. Like, but that that's like the ceiling as a passer we're talking about. If the Eagles were forced to pass a little bit more and, and if it was as successful as last year. So um, that's why I think AJ Brown and, and even you could argue Devonta Smith do, I think have a lot of hidden upside. Oh yeah. Uh, I think Smith has a lot of upside as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. One guy. So FF Doom doom said an Eagle in every draft. Um, I've got a guy in my discord, delicious grizzly who's been talking up Kenneth Gainwell and uh, Gainwell kind of got me on I, him a little bit. No, no, I've been doing I've been doing the mental calculations of like like so there's the Trey Sermon smoke is starting now. Then we got that report uh from the Athletic Eagles guy that they might stash Penny on IR just to keep him on the roster but mm-hmm. not have to cut him. Mm-hmm. And if my prior is Trey Sermon stinks, which he does, he and my prior does. and my prior is that DeAndre Swift was traded for a fourth round pick. And and Eric Eager said it best. It was to add to the legend of Howie Roseman, right? It's a fourth round pick doesn't really matter for the Eagles because they have so many, but he's getting great pub because people know who DeAndre Swift is, right? DeAndre Swift is a name. People know him. They saw him on hard knocks. He was a second round pick, Georgia, yada, yada. DeAndre Swift is the fourth highest paid running back on the Eagles roster. I, I think one, the idea that he's like set up for this bell cow role and two, I don't think he is a stone lock to make the 53 either. I think he's like 79, no, 85%. The athletic guys think he is. They, they think it's Swift and Gainwell who are locks. Hmm. That's, that's what I that's what I read. I, I think so. I think I think the locks are are Gainwell and Scott. I think those I think those are I think those are the two locks. I see, Scott, I don't think Scott's a lock at all. He's 1.9 million dollars guaranteed. They're not cutting him. I don't know, man. I mean, they could. They could. Scott is the highest paid Eagles running back. There's there's a little bit of trivia here on the program. They really they'll, probably, have, they'll probably carry four, right? So it's Ser- yeah. Sermon's going to get cut. Four, four with a healthy scratch. Which will be Scott, most likely. Well, but it could, it be, could, it be, could Penny, be Penny. Or it could be Penny starts the, the season on IR, and Sermon's the healthy scratch, and Scott's active. But it won't be – I don't think it'll be Gainwell. He also Gainwell, got talked Gainwell, up recently Gainwell, as a receiver. Yeah, Gainwell's playing, and the the bet is, you're the guy in your Discord is right, which is that the bet that people the the role that people think Swift has is actually the role that Gainwell has, and and Gainwell is actually ahead of Swift. I would not be shocked. I would I would assume that Swift is ahead of Gainwell, but I would not be shocked if we just have that wrong. He's he's ahead he's well. ahead of Gainwell until they ask him to run inside once and he bounces it outside instead <laughs> and and says and tells the running back coach I, I didn't want to get hit dude I, you so know, really let, let me hit. like let me pour a little cold water on Gainwell um, Miles Sanders missed three weeks last year week eight week nine and week ten Gainwell's snap percentages in those three games thirty one percent nineteen percent thirty one percent and they just moved Boston Scott into the lead role so I'm a little skeptical that Gainwell has much contingent upside outside of like a 30% receiving role in this offense. 
Like, I, I don't know. I'm just remembering last year. I was so excited when I had him on a bunch of teams because I was in on him last year. He is not a guy where when the lead back went down, he grew into a larger role. And I think in half PPR, like I'm still to like pick 190 or whatever. I'm not saying Gainwell is like a bad pick now, but I don't know, man. I'm like, what do you, what do you win when you win with Gainwell? I'm a little skeptical that they view him as a guy who can, who can carry the load uh, in this offense. Well, I think one thing in analysis with us that we don't have access to the playoff data is, is handily. And he had, he had 30 snaps, 34 snaps and 38 snaps in the three playoff games, which I think, uh, I don't know the totals, but that, yeah, that's I believe, he, I believe he led the Eagles backfield in snaps in the Super Bowl. I believe he, he did. did as well. He did. And it's um, also, yeah. yeah, it's, it's totally fair that probably a reason some of those snaps are so low in the games that Sanders missed is because they were probably just blowing out teams. So they could just put in Scott for right. the carries. Right. So, but that, that's the thing about like, half the snaps that, that yeah. is, Hertz played 67, 68, and 74 snaps in those three games. So that's he's playing like half the snaps in the playoffs. It's just this like weird parlay though with Gainwell, where like if they're blowing out teams, which will probably happen a good bit, like he's probably not the guy getting the goal line touches and the you know carries between the 20s. I guess in passing scripts, he's getting the work, but he's also competing with Swift there. So I I, I get the bet. Totally at pick 180. But like, I don't know. Have we seen Gainwell? like have much of a weekly ceiling in his NFL career so far in the playoffs. He was really good in the playoffs in the playoffs. That's right. That's fair. He had like a, he had like a billion fantasy points against the giants in, but no one really like factors game. that in. Cause we can't like average it into stuff and doesn't like people that's forget true. about the playoffs as if they don't count. They, they do count. He it's also, like he games. also had like playoff playoff Lenny that one year that everyone he also like, had oh, multiple no, doesn't, doesn't count. Doesn't count. Right. And then the following year yeah. he took over the backfield and it's like, well, he was the guy they trusted in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe that matters. Maybe, yeah. maybe we should have factored that in. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, what, so, sorry, Dave, I don't know. What were you about to say? He also had he had multiple target spike weeks, uh, despite being like a thirty percent target share guy as a sure. rookie or a thirty percent snap share guy. Um, yeah, I just think I think. Th- that Swift is a horrible bet at his price. I'd be I if Swift was. 15 picks cheaper. I could see myself snapping off a lot of him just because he becomes a, an asymmetric bet at that range. But where he's going now, I'm like, dude, there's a chance DeAndre Swift plays like 14 snaps a game for the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that's likely, but it's way more possible than the guys he's going around. Yeah, I think if the bet in total is just ambiguous backfield elite offense. Like that's that's the bet. And so if you can get the cheapest guy who's likely to make the roster, I think that's like, that's how you capture upside, you know, with very little downside. So Gainwell, I've actually really come around on, right? I kind of like mixing him in, not because I think he's the most likely guy, but I'm just getting him for free. Whereas like Swift is the most expensive. He's going to make the roster, but like his projected role is pretty similar to what we would project Gainwell to have if Gainwell just ends up beating him out, which is not crazy given that the team just gave up on him and he's only got a fourth round pick behind his name now. Uh, and then Penny isn't a lock to make the roster. So I've started to cool on Penny and I, man, I love betting on Penny because I think he's such a talented rusher and I think he'd be such a good fit with this Eagles like offense when they're maybe not up by three scores, but when they're up by one and a half or two, you know, they're just gonna, they're gonna lean on him and he can score a bunch of touchdowns, but 
is pretty expensive for like doesn't maybe doesn't make the roster or starts the season on IR. Like that's I'm making it a yeah. little queasy. That's what I've taken very little penny in post draft stuff just because the pre draft stuff I was so overweight that like now I just feel that the risk is the risk I, of a dead I can't I can't take I cannot take penny at at running back thirty seven right now. I think I would. So this is like a nuanced take where if I hadn't loaded up on him pre-draft, I probably would be fine with the price. But the fact that I have is making me just say, hey, if Penny's a smash, I got plenty of bullets where he's yeah. going to be a smash already. So, um, yeah. If So one question. If uh, the Eagles played the Giants in Week 17, Boston Scott would be what? Like a fourth-round pick? Yeah, running back, running back 35. <laughs> Two touchdowns, lock it in. Um, yeah, I like more than Madison. Yeah. Okay. A couple other things here. I don't think we need to talk about too much. Jeff Wilson and Mostert are down. I think that's pretty obvious. Kittle is down for who knows what reason. That doesn't make any sense to me. But um, the the tight end prices, as we talked about, continue to be cheaper than they were last year, especially for like the the second or third tier guys, whatever you want to call uh, like the Kittle um Hawkinson, Pitts, Goddard here. Those guys are are pretty cheap. It's, it's totally irrational. It's totally irrational. Kittle yeah. Kittle should actually be going up as it becomes more clear that Purdy's going to be ready. He should for be going one. up. Exactly yeah. right, man. He should be going up. And he's going I I take falling. I take all these 49ers right now. Debo, IU, yeah. Kittle, Elijah Mitchell. I take all of them right now. Because the other thing is quarterbacks are are getting cheaper. But with so many of my teams not having an elite quarterback, I want to take three a lot. And Purdy, you could still get like 15, 16 yeah. pounds. And the thing is like, okay, is the key to the season really going to be like draft Chiefs wide receivers and the 49ers? Like, is that, is it, could it be that easy? But like the, the way the ADPs are setting up, like that, it could be that easy. Like, I don't, I mean, the other thing too, is that like, I like the commanders wide receivers coming back. I like yes. Lawrence yes. guys. I like yeah. Dotson. And they fit. They fit. The way you build your teams is okay. I take Kittle, then I take Dotson. Like you can just yeah. you can just get right through it. Yeah. And I mean, I take Brian Robinson and Gibson. I think they're both. Robinson is now starting to go behind Gibson sometimes, which I also think is irrational. Like that's irrational. They, they are planning uh, to you guys, start you guys Brian are Robinson. Irrational? You think we're irrational? Gibson Gibson is the much better bet. Don't don't get too don't get not too, at the same cost. No 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 no. Don't get too bogged down in the scoring system because that's exactly what it is. Brian Robinson's better bet in in, in a format. That no, that's not what it is. It's that he's the starter and they're using him in the receiving game as well. Like he's he was not, better. Like any rushing me, stat you, you look at last year, he was secret. he was better than Gibson in any rushing stat you look at last year, and he got shot before the season. Let me let me tell you a secret about Brian <laughs> like come on guys like <laughs> better in every rushing stat and literally was shot before the season like come on <laughs> I think there's a couple where Gibson's better but I like that point re- re- receiving stuff it. maybe but I don't know like Gibson the, the... Gibson is yeah. just like if you look at all the stuff we like to look at in terms of like profiling guys he's a better player and this terrible this 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 horrible no good Antonio Gibson is a loser. We who we got a draft at running back 40 season that he just had came in with 900 yards, five touchdowns, and 58 targets. Like, I just, I, 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 I like both of them. I like both. It's, of them, it's a bet I really like to make. So, Sam's right, by the way. I, the one stat I thought Gibson had been ahead on was NFL next gen's rush yards over expected. 
but he wasn't. Nope. Brian Robinson uh, was like decently better. He he performed above expectations, and Gibson was below. Robinson also had a better success rate than Gibson, which is like kind of why Robinson's ahead. I think is that like he does running back stuff. He hits the right hole. He you know they trust him to kind of be a reliable running back, not a converted receiver, and. I think that Matt, like, I do think, listen, I don't want to pay like a big premium for that, like a fifth round, sixth round price, just because no. like the coaches like a guy and I don't think he's that talented. Like, I hate doing that. But if it's in the ninth or 10th round, like I'm getting the guy that the coaches want to start and was like an okay rusher last year and is in a total zero in the passing game. Like, I, it feels like picking up coins on the sidewalk. Like, I'm like, all right, sweet, like free money. And then what do I get for that free money? Like, I get to load up on wide receiver earlier, take, I mean, Robinson's kind of that that zero running back guy for me right now, even though he's gross. He's not as he's not as sexy as Gibson. Yeah, I mean, I think we both like we both I think all three of us like both of them. I think that's fair to say. So like I don't want to like argue. I liked Gibson more when he was the like significantly cheaper. Now exactly. Yeah. Price. It's, it's closing. It's closing a little bit because virgins are 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 in on Gibson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, myself included. True. I mean, I like Gibson a lot more just because I can I can tell myself such a story about Gibson. Whereas Brian Robinson, the story I tell is that he just is three yards and, and a cloud of dusting his way to, you know, 16 and a half points. Yeah. Why can't remember after David Montgomery's rookie season, when we were like Montgomery sucks, we have no interest in Montgomery. Um, but like, and guess what? Dave Montgomery does kind of suck, but he had a decent stretch uh, in his second year where he was like running all over terrible defenses and the team, as we thought they would, used him a lot. And like I think Tariq Cohen got hurt at the end of that season. And so that that helped his his snap share. Yeah. But like in a sense, you know, he does also have contingent value because if Gibson were to get hurt and they're just like, well, Chris Ross Rodriguez isn't it. We're gonna just like ride this guy. Robinson's the guy who could, you know, have a 75% snap share pretty easily if Gibson misses time. So yeah. I mean, that coach's trust on early downs, I think, is helpful. It's not everything, but it is helpful. And you're not, you're paying, like, very little for it. You're almost, like, paying nothing for it at this point. No, you're paying nothing. And, I, I mean, it sounds like I was joking a little bit, but, like, he, he literally got shot, like, a month before the year. Like, is it not impossible that that, like, severely impacted his training and, like, no, I think, his familiarity I think, with the I, offense? Like, I think you I are know. 100% correct. I think you I, – yeah. I totally buy your point. Like I think like he could be I, better. He could be better than he was right. last year. Like well, we say that about was, pretty much every second year back is that they. Yeah. I was drafting some Najee Harris who I thought stunk as a rookie, thought stunk last year, and thought stinks now. But I, I, I drafted the most of them last year because I was like, he's a second year player. Like who knows? Like Le'Veon Bell better. had terrible yeah. efficiency and then was amazing as a second year guy. Like, yeah, that first off season is helpful. But anyways, back to the Davis's. Oh, well, both of your guys' points around Washington, San Francisco. The stack is pretty cheap. Uh, it, it's kind of in the middle here. I mean, basically, the, this chart is interesting, right? Because it's like Kansas City, Cincinnati is like very expensive. And then it's a bunch of games that are all kind of similar, like Miami through Baltimore all the way through uh, Washington through San Francisco is kind of like similar prices on these stacks, which is interesting. There's not really like huge standouts, but it's, you know, for how good um, San Francisco is expected to be this year, like I think they still have the third highest Super Bowl odds or something like that, like, I think the San Francisco stack, if you hit on the right guys, has a has a ton of upside relative to cost. So I'm definitely you, with you guys. You there. Still don't have. To, I'm much more open to taking Port Purdy now. I would, I would say I'm like 
kind of mildly targeting Purdy now. Yeah. Um, he's my he's my most drafted quarterback in Best Ball Mania four right now. Interesting. Yeah, well, I don't, it's, I don't, it's, I don't it's not that. it's not like I'm trying to do it, but the, he just is always there. He's all like compare the ceiling that we have already seen Brock Purdy do. We've already seen multiple thirty burgers out of Brock Purdy in NFL games that count against the standings, and compare that to what your base expectation for C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young is. It it, yeah. it it it's just it's it's almost yeah. the the only thing keeping Purdy from going where Derek Carr goes is that the 49ers have not had a press conference saying Purdy is healthy and will be our starter in week one. That's it. The the second the when when they do that when it's time to come in for training camp and Purdy, uh, I believe actually the date they said they were going to know Purdy like goes back into his surgeon to be reevaluated pretty soon. And whenever that happens and they do that report and they say he's ahead of schedule, he's on schedule, he's behind schedule, that's going to be an inflection point for his price. I agree. Yeah. And you can stack it up. I mean, if you don't get Purdy, like I had a team you where can I take drafted. Howell. You can take Howell if you want, but you just don't need either quarterback. Like I've done Agreed. this since the beginning of, you know. Come on, Pat, just, just say the name. Who's the quarterback in Washington you're taking? I'm not taking Brissett. I don't. I don't see why I need to be right. Like, why do I have to be right? Yeah. I just don't. I just, I just don't want to be wrong. Right? There's points in this game. How do I get those points? Well, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell, Christian McCaffrey all seem like awesome bets. Dotson, McLaurin, great bets. Now I need to like make a, a kind of a shitty bet on Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell. Like, no, I, I don't want to make that bet. Why don't I make a bet on Anthony Richardson and get him single stacked and not have to worry about that shit? Like I'd I, do I that. love, I love the Anthony Richardson and you just take one of Alec Pierce or Josh Downs and that's it. That's the Boom. only. It's the only. Th- it's the only thing you do. I'm done. It is, and I it can, is, I can, it is can, good. I can get Downs if I want to double it too. I could take a Jelani Woods tackle on something sure. like that. Like I can get that so cheap, and then I have this other game game stack. Sniping me on Purdy is like it does nothing to me. Like I have a Kittle, I think I had like, I think it was Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo on a team, and I didn't get Purdy, and I don't fucking care. Like, cause, cause, guess what? What if Purdy misses the first six games, and you know he's like a, it actually would have hurt me to take him. Like I'll, sure. I'll be fine without that Purdy point. I'm usually in that build. I, I will have you know at least one early quarterback. Sure. If I didn't have Purdy and I have like Derek Carr, Bryce Young, and CJ Stroud, like that fucking sucks. But if I yeah. have taken care of quarterback early, I just I don't mind it. And you can always you can target Purdy as your quarterback too, uh, or you can you can you know figure out quarterback two elsewhere and you'll be fine. I think one thing I, this isn't quite on the level of like Jamison Williams having one catch last year, but like I feel like I've been psyoped with the Sam Howell week uh week eighteen game he had, last he year. Had 40, he had forty Dude, rushing he, yards. His passing stat was uh, eleven for nineteen for one hundred sixty nine yards, one touchdown and one interception. I know he added some rushing, but I feel like when people talk about that game, like in my head, I thought he threw for like three hundred yards or something, but eleven for nineteen, like. I don't know. It's at this point, I, I, I think Howell is becoming an even worse pick than he's been all offseason. And I think he's been a terrible pick all offseason because just play the game from the Purdy side. If you're insisting that you must take a quarterback from that game, take Purdy 
And like take Purdy and single stack him. Like if you have one P take Purdy and Elijah Mitchell, just bet on the 49ers. Like, sure. you know, yeah. Uh, why do you need to be right that Howell's the guy all season? It's a thin bet. It's a very thin bet. Yeah. I, I think you actually just hit on like a larger point, which almost never gets discussed when we're talking about why stacking is so effective and so good in this format, which is like, obviously, yes, you need to score the week 17 points, but there's this other sort of hidden element that people just totally overlook, which is that stacking is going to help your weekly scores by quite a bit because the weeks where your Brock Purdy gets 30 week eight, Brock Purdy gets 33. You probably also just got, at least one spike week with your stack. It, like it improves your regular season scores by quite a bit too. Maybe not on a median, you know, maybe Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo score the exact same number of fantasy points over 17 weeks, but the way in which it impacts the scores available to your lineup is going to be really beneficial. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think there, there's certainly something to like the layering aspect there, where if you kind of heavily stack two or three offenses, the odds that one of them is going to go off in any given week and like count a lot towards your roster points. Like I don't have math or hard numbers to back that up, but I, I definitely buy that. That's, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess call offenses. up, call up Aiden or Leone to, to verify that I'm not just talking out of my ass, mm-hmm. but that, that is just, that is my intuitive sense. Of yeah. It. Same, same for me. You don't is have that... to be perfect in these, you know, week 17, not every player it's going to hit your lineup. So you don't have to be perfect. Like you can have some misses. You can be directionally accurate with these with these stacks. Yeah. You don't want to draft guys who like don't play, you know, at all all season. That's going to hurt you. But like if you bet on an offense and that offense is awesome and mispriced, maybe they're not awesome, but they were they were too cheap. And that's going to help you in a big way. Get to the playoffs, get through the playoffs. If you're overstacked in week 17, like. I don't know that that hurts you all that much. You know, maybe it will if we get like way sharper with this stuff or field sizes start to get bigger and bigger. And, you know, if if I had to take down a 5,000 person tournament, I think I would be pretty, pretty sketched out by overstacking because I need to be very, very right. Right. I need to hit on like all the right um, spike Mm -hmm. week. You know, let's say there was a 500,000 final in best ball you're going to need to essentially get all the correct spike weeks on one team, or at least you're gonna have to have like, you know, 75% of them or something. You can't like be mostly right. You have to be pretty close to perfect, but that's not what we're doing right now. It's 441 in best ball mania four. Yeah. I'm on the side of like, whenever I post a team and I get the feedback, like I I posted one other day, I took Daniel Jones and then my last three wide receivers, I took Hodgins, Slayton, somebody else. I don't, it might've been, pilot or Wandale or something and i got all this feedback that's like oh you're betting against yourself like all three of those guys can't hit like guess what guys if my like 15th 16th and 18th round picks don't all hit in the same week like i'm i'm gonna be okay like pat won best ball mania with literally a second round pick not counting towards his lineup like there's this weird perception with overstacking. i think where it's like oh you're you're over correlating it can't all work out like great that I understand. I understand that. Like, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to throw to 100 yards to each of Hodgins, Slayton, and Wandale in a single game. It's about getting one or two of those guys to hit your yeah. lineups at a very cheap one. cost. And yeah, one, probably one. just one. Yeah. And if you're 15th, 16th, and 18th round pick, if one of those guys hits in that's week great. 17 yeah. or even week 15 or 16, I mean, like, 
Slayton scores a long touchdown, you know, and like, it's also nice too, if you have Daniel Jones, you know, right? Like you have Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, and then you take like three stabs at Giants wide receivers. Like that is truly an overstack, but yeah. you get the, the Giants score points in week 15 and Slayton happens to score a touchdown. You've got your, your starting quarterbacks taken care of, your tight ends taken care of, and you got a meaningful week out of a very low value pick. I mean, we do not get many points out of these last round picks. You get something to hit your lineup out of there. It's huge. So like, yeah, you, you played, you played like sort of conservatively in the end, like saying, I'm, I'm making a bet on the giants and I'm going to sacrifice a few picks to make this one bet. But the payoff is still well worth that. You know, it's worth $3 of your team. You know, you spent three late round picks on the Giants. It's like three, four dollars of draft capital out of a two hundred dollar budget. If we were talking auction terms, well, if you get a, if you get that payoff that the Giants score points and one of those guys has hit your lineup, that's worth like <laughs> the payoff on that four dollar bet is fucking huge. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, so there's some people saying like there's a huge price difference between like the Giants and Jags, and, and I get, I get that point of it. I don't disagree with that. That like I'm more inclined to do one of these mega stacks on a team where all the, the wide receivers are very cheap. But like, I also, I'm, I think versus the field, I'm still more comfortable with these mega stacks than other people are because like, okay, I take, I go 49ers. I'm not saying this is like ideal, but I take, you know, Ayuk, Debo and Kittle on the 49ers. Are, are each of those guys going to hit their ceilings like at the same time in one week? No. And did I spend a lot to like get those guys? Yes, I get that. But if the 49ers offense is firing down the stretch, I kind of like the idea of like Ayuk doing nothing in weeks 15 mm-hmm. and 16, but I'm carrying him to week 17 because I'm betting on the San Francisco offense just firing and, you know, Debo and Kittle in those spike weeks. And then I get to week 17, it's like Kittle chalk in the finals like it was last year. And I have this like correlated part of my bet that I'm like intentionally sneaking through. Like, I think people misunderstand a little bit like, you could survive weeks 15 and 16 with your fifth or sixth round pick contributing like nothing 15 or 16. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. You can. That's why uh, it's such a fun game. Like you can. Yeah. And we saw that two years ago with uh, T Higgins and Jamar chase chase being the guy you needed uh, in the final. Um, but like you, I, I and I, you, you want to be conscious of like price. Yes. Yeah. Can this offense actually support this many guys. Um, but the 49ers are a great example where like, I feel very, first of all, the price strikes me as just low on all of them, period. Yep. And then I, you guys, I'm not like hammering right now, but I think you could certainly make the case. He's underpriced. I he's like getting, Debo he's a lot. getting rave, rave reviews. He's getting game. rave reviews. All, all yeah. the, all the, yeah. the guys are He's actually a sneaky the... riser on this chart, which we didn't talk about. So maybe because of I haven't play. taken a ton of him. He's the one that I probably need to get a little bit more bullish on, but, um, but Kittle, I mean, come on, you know, you're getting him in the sixth round. Like, yeah, and Kittle, Debo, Kittle, I like is a a, Kittle is a layup. Yeah, I like both running backs. You know, I'm happy to take McCaffrey at, at three. And if he falls to four or five, I love that. Uh, Mitchell is one of my favorite targets in that yeah. uh, double digit range. So, is there a third running back we should be taking? I mean, there's the, like Tyrion Davis Rice are alive. I mean, close your eyes. It's week five. Elijah Mitchell's turned his ankle. It's a Wednesday night episode of Ship Chasing. 
Peter Overzet is telling Corrine not to say exactly how much they're bidding on Jordan Mason because it's over 400 FFPC free agency dollars, right? Like you could. Well, you, you have it revert. The only thing you didn't get right there is that I'm yelling at Pete. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like it's just you, but you can see that. Ha- like you just, it, it's yeah. it's right there. Yeah. You, you and just then the next, see it happening. The next stage of that is you spend $400 on Jordan Mason. Uh, Thursday, you get the Roto World blurb that they signed Tevin Coleman. Uh, to a contract and, and he's the guy you need that's that's definitely yeah. the next the next thing that well you, you he was on the roster your, last year right tevin coleman yeah, he, he put played. in your two dollar bids for Tyrion davis price uh week four week four waiver wire drafters yeah make sure to do that um yeah. yeah tevin tevin coleman had 12 carries and three targets and two touchdowns as a member of the what? 49ers last season that's crazy that's what's always so funny is like you you always underrate how many of these veteran running backs like truly just from show the, up from the great, like Latavius Murray had like legit spike weeks down the stretch last year for the Denver Broncos. And, and by the way, he's on the bills right now. He'll probably be cut from the bills, but he's showing back up on someone's team this year. Yeah. That's why I keep taking for neck. he's the cheapest of those guys that I think yeah. hunt is the pure cheapest, but I'm a little bit more worried about him, but I probably, it's an argument for taking hunt too. Like the NFL is chaotic. These guys are going to, going to get snaps from these guys that teams historically have trusted like i think i I think it's under even like latavius you want to spend an 18th round pick on latavius murray i'm not doing it it's certainly disgusting but like he's so old that makes it tough it's so old yeah but it's like he's just a guy that coaches trust like even last year 33 he got got more guaranteed money than damian harris which is the weirdest part of this whole bills thing i do not understand how that happened but he did um anyways uh, I, I want to talk about this chart quickly. So you guys have seen this positional ADP chart that we've done a bunch. I just took a slightly different look at it. Um, and so starting with the running backs, what this chart is showing, it, it's a little complicated, but it's showing these, these green bars here are the year over year difference in running back positional ADP. So, so look at um, this negative two here on the far left side this means that negative two means the RB one last year, Christian McCaffrey was going at pick one overall. And this year he's going at pick three, right? So that's a two spot difference in positional ADP first last year. Um, so what I kind of wanted to show here is just like, we, we hear a lot about how the running backs are a lot cheaper than they were last year, but I think it is sort of important to note like where they are most cheaper versus last year versus where they're actually kind of like similar uh just so we can understand like how this year's draft landscape is reacting uh to last year's results and i think there is sort of this clear trend where um you look at this like pink box here running backs two through 17 so that's everyone from austin eckler at running back two to aaron jones at running back 17 um those are the guys that are going significantly cheaper than last year so it's some of the guys in the two three turn it's your Ramondre's, Brees, etc are grouped in there and then also sort of like the early dead zone guys are going much cheaper um but then like look at this blue box here running backs 33 to 49 those guys are on average just two picks cheaper versus 2022 and though that's a range where running backs historically smash that's where we saw you know kenneth walker last year Ramondre. Last year, all these guys that were mega smashes in that range, but they're actually not cheaper really this year compared to last year. Um, if you sort of, well, they, average, they are a little bit, a little bit, but if you average that whole group, right. And like, 
this was arbitrary ranges. Like you could you could pick it differently, but they're not as cheaper as the the early round running backs are. Is the point I'm trying to make? So like everyone, everyone is kind of like doing the strategy of like fade the early running backs, and then I'm gonna catch up with these like zero RB targets later. Like, are they doing? Is everyone doing that? I, I'm not seeing a lot of that, and that's not really what I'm doing. Well, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm just saying eighty like. ADP wise, here are the like here's the fact like running backs two through seventeen are eleven picks cheaper than they were in 2022. Running backs 33 through 49 are two picks cheaper. So it's like a full round cheaper versus like two picks cheaper. That that's the point I'm trying to make is that like I'm not. This doesn't mean that like you have to like search for the guys that are the ranges that are most cheapest versus last year. And that's what you should be targeting. I'm not saying that's a strategy. I'm just saying like, that's how drafters are reacting to the draft landscape this year. Is they're, they're saying let's fade like the, the early or the late RB one, early RB two prices, like significantly let's like slightly fade. They're saying let's, let's not draft the RB ones as early as we did last year. I think is the yes. way to put that. They're not necessarily yes. fading because what is happening is these guys are being selected. And I yes. think what might be happening as well is that I, I actually don't maybe like Hayden or someone could put this together, but my guess is that RBs are being drafted on a greater number of teams through the early rounds than last year. That like, if you look at how many teams that, in a given draft have sense. an early round running back, yeah, a higher number of them have an early round running back this year than last year. So wait, in a wait, sense, wait. I think, like if there's Higher 12 teams, teams have an early round running back this year versus last year. If there's 12 teams in a draft, right? Then I don't know, last year let's say like 7 of them had an early round running back. How are you defining maybe, early maybe round that's too back. low. Like Whatever this range is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Rounds 1, rounds 1 uh through 3. Okay. How many of these teams have an early have, have a running back through the first 3 rounds? I would I would guess that more of the 12 teams have uh, at least one running back for the through the first three rounds than last year. That Like on average, probably like 10 teams have a, at least one running back now. Maybe it was only nine last year or something like that. Because still... it's, it's, easy, it's just easy to take these guys. And maybe I don't take two, but I, I'm way more comfortable taking one. Just from personal experience, I have a lot more teams that have at yeah. least one running back through the first three rounds than I did last year. So, like, Pat, wow. I think like maybe where the where I'm getting lost there is I agree with you that like me as a drafter, I have more early round running back teams than I do last year, and I like I understand that you do as well. But I, I'm pretty skeptical that on average, more people have early running back teams this year than last year because. Last year, there were like 20 running backs going in the first three rounds. And this year, there are like 12. So, like, I just have a really, if you're defining early round running back as the first three rounds, like nearly twice as many running backs were going in the first three rounds last year compared to this year. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah. skeptical that that's, that that's true. Like, I don't, I don't actually have that. It could, it could not, from last yeah, you're year. right. It might not be true. The, I think what the biggest hit to drafting style has been, going three like going three running backs you know going it's much harder to go two running backs so i think the biggest thing with, with what is causing this is not that there's a bunch of people fading 
all early round running backs. Certainly that there are people going zero running back, but I think relative to last year, I don't know. I it It's like tough for me to see that being the main driver of this. I think that what is more likely the main driver is that more teams are just doing one or just doing two that might've otherwise done three and that you're seeing thinner running back rooms, maybe not a ton of zero running back rooms relative to, to the number of zero running back teams uh, last year. Yeah. I mean, it could be possible that there's more, there's more one running back teams this year and yeah, like I, I see your point that there's a way to like make the math work out, but like I don't know, like zero running back big... teams could be up for sure. But I guess what I would say is if they are up, my guess is that like one running back teams are also up. Like two two and three running back teams must be down. They must okay. be down significantly. Yes, right? two like that, that's that's, that's what I'm saying. Spot. Yeah. Two yeah. is like has to be down, and that's like maybe part of the reason why I've been looking at this. I also looked at um chad mashkey could could be messing up his last name there but he did some work in the badge bros discord where he pulled a bunch of data together and i was looking at um two running back starts because i kept hearing like oh you know taking running backs in rounds two and three is becoming like the chalk build i'm like mathematically that that can't be true if there's 12 running backs going in the first three rounds so like i want to push back against that like wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver a great, more, a great lesson that screenshots than. of teams on Twitter are not uh, attempt the temperature taker of the market, right? Right. What What did you guys find that? So wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Is that chalkier than wide receiver, two wide receivers and a running back through the first three? No, that um, feels like the no. most that, chalky build. That's no, the chalk no, no. build, right? Two, two, one yeah, running back sorry. through three. Yeah, one running back through three is certainly the most popular. But yeah. three wide receivers is more popular than wide receiver running back running back okay yeah I would it might not be sure. it's and it's probably I, I didn't quite cut the numbers this way like two running just two running backs no matter where you took it it could be round one and round three round one and round two that's probably slightly more popular than three wide receivers but it's actually quite close which makes sense right like if there's if there's 18 sense. there's 18 wide receivers that go in the first three rounds there's 12 running backs so that means on average teams are taking one running back, just like 12 divided by 12 and one and a half wide receivers. So like, it should be true that the odds of like taking three wide receivers and two running backs is like close. I'm, I'm making yeah. some jumps in, in logic there, but you, you maybe get the general point of that. Um, so yeah, it, it's a different draft. Like anyways, I, I think there's a lot more work to like thinking about these numbers and we're at an hour 50 now. So like, we'll, we'll skip through this. For now unless people have other points but i think it's just interesting like when you're thinking about where you're drafting and you're, and you're thinking about getting discounts this year based on how the draft rooms are overreacting like think about a little bit where you're getting the biggest discounts not saying I've like got base a, your entire strategy on that but think about it a little bit i've got a great i've got a great anecdote to really illustrate this entire thing uh chris Olave was the number 12 overall no, 10th or he was, he was top 10-ish pick in the actual NFL draft last year. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was the 20th pick in this year's draft. I think Olave was like 12th or 13th, maybe. 12th yeah. sounds right. Let's call it 12th. Yeah. Let's call it 12th. 12th doesn't right. matter for this anecdote. Very high NFL draft pick. His team yeah. really wanted him. Traded up Smith a bunch Jig- to get him. Traded like multiple first-round right. picks to get right. him. Yes. Jackson Smith and Jigba actually fell way later 
than NFL draft prognosticators thought to a team with two really good wide receivers with basically no injury history. Uh, Lockett has missed a couple games here and there. Metcalf, I believe, has has never missed a game since coming into the NFL. And he's going about 35 spots in, in just raw <laughs> ADP ahead of where Alave went last year. Like, yeah. like people are just, people, the, the, the piss boy cabal loves wide receivers and they really love rookie wide receivers um, yeah. to, to the point that, look, I don't want to have zero JSN, but trying to tell yourself a story where Jackson Smith and Jigba has an advance rate above average of above 8.3% without Lockett or Metcalf getting hurt. You, you literally can't. I, there's no math you can I do. I think you can. Oh, I know you love you love Smith and Jigba. I know that, I like I know that you yeah. can. <laughs> I can. Tell me I mean, the you... tell me the tell me the math based story where sixth round JSN going ahead of Tyler Lockett has an advance rate above eight point three percent. I think he also you could even say fifth round. He's going at pick fifty nine now. He's, so he's on the five sixth fifth turn. Yeah, yeah, he's technically fifth round. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely tougher in the fifth round. But I think in the sixth round, I, he plays a lot. They play more three wide receiver sets than expected. He gets targeted an extremely high rate when on the field, which seems extremely plausible to me, given that he gets open really quickly. And Geno Smith likes to throw short, and he's very accurate to the short area. And he doesn't like pass Tyler Lockett in two wide receiver sets, but he's not a pure slot receiver. They're willing to move him to the outside. They're willing to move him around the formation, and they are willing to have Tyler Lockett not run every single route in order to get JSN on the field beyond just kind of a pure slot receiver level of routes. And if he's in that type of situation and earning targets at a really high rate, then he can easily have an above average advance rate. And then, yeah, in the in the playoffs, you it really would be nice if, if it's down to him or Metcalf or him or Lockett. Or or if he just at that point, Tyler Lockett's 30 years old, yeah. whatever. Or if and he just passes can't. him by the end of the season. That that I think I I the reason to take JSN has almost nothing to do with advance rate for me. It's all about it's all about him him turning into a Monroe St. Brown in the playoffs. That's the but, reason to take him. But I think he can do that and have an above average advance rate. These are these are the target totals for the third leading target be like 10%. In Pete, Pete Carroll offenses. Uh third last 100%. year, Noah Fant 18%. with 63. 2021, Gerald Everett with 63. 2020. Uh, we got David Moore with 47. 2019, we've got Jacob Hollister with 59. The point being, this would be a huge break from the way the Seahawks have played. Now, you want to get down to brass tacks, you can say their third tight end played 44% of the snaps last season. Colby Parkinson played 44% of the Seahawks snaps. Marquise Goodwin played about 35%. Dwayne Eskridge played about 15%. Give him Goodwin snaps. Take half from the fourth wide receiver, take half from the second tight end and from the third tight end, and all of a sudden you're up to like the same snaps you'd expect from like Quentin Johnston or whatever. Yeah. The, the other thing that I would say too is that with these highly condensed offenses, you can read that as this offense only has enough room for two guys, or these coaches believe in getting their best playmakers the ball. Like, does. Do the Dolphins, does that flow through Waddle and Tyree Kill because Mike McDaniel's like been unable to get other people the ball? Like, or because he doesn't want to get other people the ball. He wants to get Waddle and Tyree Kill as many targets as he possibly can. So if JSN is really good, which is the whole bet, 
the whole bet is that he's awesome. So far, so good on that sure. front. He's he's having really good training or OTA reports. They talk about how they are playing some on the outside already. DK Metcalf was talking up what a professional he is. They're like, we just need to give him the playbook. Like he has everything down. He just needs to learn all the plays and he's going to be hitting the ground running. It's exactly what you want to hear because JSN, that's the bet. The bet is he's a ultra professional wide receiver despite being a rookie. He's going to be able to have incredible route running technique out of the gate, get open immediately, earn targets at a high rate. So far, so good. Um, it's not like I do think the market has done a good job in pricing in the upside here, but I don't think that he couldn't have an above average advance rate, even if he mostly is just that end of the season play. Like, again, I, I think he probably would be like 18 percent advance rate in a, in a in an upside scenario. Like, I think it would be slightly above average. But um, yeah. I'll, I guess like I, I'm fading JSN on on underdog, and I get all your. I like Pat. You made all good arguments. Like I I don't like I don't disagree with the thesis of what you're saying, but to me, there's a couple things. One, DraftKings, you can get him like a full round cheaper in PPR. He strikes me as like a even, guy that even two rounds cheaper sometimes. Yeah, he, he strikes me as a guy that pays off more in PPR than than half PPR for sure. And to me, it's just in the fifth round, it's too much of a parlay that I have to hit. I have to. He has to be really good. He also has to be really good and better than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at like winning on the outside. He has to like Geno Smith has to continue his outlier performance from last year. Like, and also, I don't know, this is kind of, this isn't a fourth thing. I guess it's baked into what I originally said, but we're wrong about these rookie wide receivers all the time, especially in how they're going to produce in year one. And like, I don't know, man, like it's just, when I know I can get him two rounds cheaper on other websites, like I just, I don't see any reason to draft him ahead. Some of these veterans that I know are going to be playing and I know are good at football. I'm not saying I think JSN's a bad prospect. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but like the price doesn't make any sense to me. And like, I don't, I don't see any reason uh, to, to take him on underdog, but. I listen, if you want to just load up on DraftKings, I think that's a really sharp way to play this. Um, I think the underdog price is more efficient. I think it's because why should you get the upside that he offers late season as if that isn't what we're playing for? Why should you get that for free? You should have to pay for that. I don't know. Like, I just think that like he could be really good and like we could like we could be right about liking him as a prospect, but we get to week 17 and he's slot only. He runs 60% of routes. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just think you those could. scenarios like are, I think those that's like the median scenario. Like, I think people are underrating. Lockett um here, but uh I yeah, take a I lot know, of Lockett. Like, I take a lot yeah. of Lockett too. Lockett's to me, the guy I don't think Metcalf is at all appropriately priced. The idea of taking yeah. mid third round Metcalf to me is like I just have I don't I don't know that I've drafted him. Like I, I think he's yeah. he is priced incorrectly. So that that's the one where I love I love taking Lockett where he goes and I will take Lockett over JSN especially if I, if he's like my wide receiver three, you know, if I've taken enough detours where I, I'm now, I've already taken three detours through five rounds, round six uh, and Lockett's there. Like I'm, I'm smashing Lockett, you know, even over JSN. So I need a professional wide receiver, but um, yeah, I think JSN does, does offer quite a bit of late season upside. So that should be priced in. Yeah. Um. That that's fair. Um, anyways, I've taken two DK Metcalfs. I've taken. It looks like I've took a 
Somehow I got to $17 on DK Metcalf. I take yeah. 2%. DK Metcalf is in the range. Wait, you have this- 2% DK Metcalf? Yeah, I've, I, it looks like two puppies and a poodle. I've taken DK Metcalf. Dude, have fun staying poor. What are, I th- what are I we think doing? I honestly think he might be the worst priced wide receiver in the on the market. He's, no, dude, he's no. You you do not. I mean, come on, dude. He's the grownest fucking man in yeah, the okay. NFL. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've seen I've seen him with his shirt off. He looks great, but like you're getting you're you're having to pay up for this this crowded wide receiver room. You're having to pay third round price. I can get a fifth or sixth round guy. You, it's talent. just this is this is we just are so we're just fundamentally divorced on what we think JSN is going to get targeted at. So so of course Metcalf's horrible for you. I mean, dude, like which guy pairs better with Geno Smith? Like the guy who gets open immediately in the short area, which is like what Geno Smith is best at, or DK You're Metcalf, just, who's never actually drawn targets at a high rate. He's he's, there's a, he's no, a big play guy. There's no cell that's going to get me here. DK Metcalf, <laughs> DK Metcalf had you know 30, 30 uh yeah 30 nfl touchdowns by the age of 24 he had six last year in what was like that to me is anomalous i i think you you could argue you could say the opposite you could say metcalf isn't the good fit with gino and lockett was the better fit or yada yada whatever i just i i'm not buying it. i would not metcalf. take jsn over dk metcalf i, I want to be clear on that i know but, but if you if you think that the jsn price is more appropriate and i'm saying i'm having a hard time getting there your mental uh piece of pie division amongst the seattle wide receivers is going to be different than mine yeah fair enough fair enough i to me the locket is the if you want to play this through a veteran locket is i mean if, just talk about metcalf versus locket like i mean locket is showing metcalf a bigger earned- weekly ceiling Metcalf it's, has it's earned a consistent. lot, lot more targets than Lockett the last two years. Like a lot more. Like like over like one and a half per game more. Let me see what I don't know that pulled up. Are. Yeah. Met, la- it looks, looks like raw raw targets would be that that's about right for last year. I don't know if either of them missed any games, but um seems Lockett to be, has yeah. missed Lockett has missed one game each of the last two years. Yeah. Rocket has a I mean, 21% target per route run. Uh, Metcalf is at 25%. That is better. That's Metcalf is better. Metcalf is better than Lockett. Like a lot. Better. Metcalf is better than Lockett. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I don't know. I don't want to pay, I, I don't want to pay three rounds for it, but. This is where I'm just like, they're both so good. And like, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like taking crazy pills with the JSN uh stuff sometimes because it's like he could be like a solid hit as like an nfl career and as like a pick in the first round but not be very relevant in year one like i don't know that that seems like the most likely outcome to me but um yeah i don't that does not seem like the most likely outcome to me i think like he's a very strong prospect was drafted in the first round great fit for what they need i think he's i think he's gonna make some noise I don't know that he'll be like a guy you had to have or anything, but like if we're trying to figure out how to play this offense, saying the most likely scenario is that this really strong first round prospect doesn't do much, I think is a, I think that's a risky way to, to approach this. I think that's why I don't like Metcalf. He's the, he's the most expensive guy in the offense. So you're saying JSN's it, not going to do I, much, I, and I'm going to bet on that one, with the most expensive guy. The one who gets, the one who gets squeezed if JSN is as good as you think is Lockett. Lockett is the one. Lockett is the one who I Metcalf is not gonna Metcalf is gonna get 
140 targets, 87 catches, and between 900 and 1,100 yards, like just based on the variance of the deep throws to me. But to take Metcalf, right, you're taking him over some of these third round running backs that are that are great picks. Like we just talked about how those I are don't the, I don't even the have a ton of Metcalf because I because I do what you're saying. I take Jacobs or Ramondre or Brees or Derrick Henry or whatever there a large chunk of the time. But it, I'm I'm not coming in saying like I'm clicking, you know, like like there's such a huge tear break there. Like I'm not taking Calvin Ridley, you know, over over him. I'm just not doing you that. rarely even get that choice though. Sure. He, yeah, he goes. Sure. He goes usually ahead of Debo. So, and I I like Debo more than Metcalf. Yeah, I like but I then, like I like Metcalf more than Debo. Okay. That's that's probably why I don't have much Metcalf is because I'm I'm happier to take Debo. But then I get to Ridley, Cooper, Keenan. You know that whole tier. If DK was sitting there, I would 100% mix him in. You know, sure. Like to me, that the tier break has broken. Like that is like. <laughs> Hopkins could sign with the Browns and we're like, why was I taking Amari Cooper again? You know, like they, he's not all that big of a, a bet on talent play. So yeah, if, if Metcalf was like an early fourth round, I would feel a lot more comfortable, but it's just like, sure. instead, I know it's not like that many total picks, but there's a big tier break at running back. Um, and there's a, he's included in this previous tier of wide receivers that I don't think he's a part of. It'd be like if Keenan Allen was going in the mid third or something and be like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with that. Yeah. That's fair. I do think it is a little weird. How well, I'm not, luck- I'm not with that, but I'm understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Um, If anyone wants to book, book bets with me on JSN, like for basically any wide receiver, like the next like 12 wide receiver, not, not 12. Up to Jahan Dotson, all those wide receivers that go after uh, JSN, excluding Kadarius Tony, I'm taking him out of the, that. If anyone wants to book, <laughs> anyone wants to book bets with me on that range of wide receivers scoring more points than JSN this year, and sure, if you want to like say, ah, it's uh, week 17, that's all. Yeah, that but matters. that is the point, though. Like you're yeah, like, if you no, want to like, if you want to like, no, no, just Pat, ignore the whole fun. thesis of the play. I'm happy no, to take that. It's like you didn't let me finish my point. I'm saying if you want to structure, if you want to structure it like last like eight weeks of the season or something who's scoring more point you want a structure like that sure I'll, I'll take you on that bet too all right we we should sit down i think that's okay. easy money for me okay let's, let's get some <laughs> bets going um anyways let's wrap things up uh i don't just think another two hour it. show for the people another, just another, another monday show. afternoon yeah can we can um, just uh on that running back point i do want to make one more okay sure. observation on that chart um, cause I, the freight, like the way, you know, you had to make cutoffs at some point, but to me, like what I see here and Hayden also had a chart that shows something pretty similar is that there's running back value that peters out. It, it's the running back value is basically yeah. gone by running back 40 and it starts mm-hmm. to get less and less as the draft goes on. So to me, the bucketing approach kind of hides that a little bit. Like the larger trend is that there's a bunch of running back value that peaks around running back 12 and then it starts to slowly peter out for the rest of the draft. I would be aware of that. And that it does feel like that is the case to me when I'm in these drafts. Like I don't, uh, Jamal Williams is kind of that cutoff. He's RB 42. I'm like, ah, and that's right. where kind of your RB 42 is going like one pick ahead of last year. I'm like that's, that's where like, I want to be done. Like I think to execute this stuff, best i would like to have at least three running backs by that point maybe four 
and and hammer like you can you can have your cake and eat it too i think if you get like one of these early running backs take advantage of one of those values mix in a guy maybe in the seventh eighth you could also take two early i'm totally fine with that but like be aware that the the trend kind of stops this value maybe it comes back around again really late but at that point those are lotto tickets so i would just say like to me when i look at this i'm like i want to i want to be overweight a lot of the my favorites of this early group and then i want to be making sure that my teams are structured so that i don't go into like round 13 with two running backs because now now i'm not getting any bargains on running backs yeah that's a good point yeah that's just like so on this chart where you can see where the the running backs are actually more expensive than last year it's a very small pocket in that blue box uh i think it's like probably running backs 41 42 and 43 that would be elijah mitchell jamal williams jarek mckinnon so yeah pat's point is correct i agree with it like once you get there the discounts and running back like versus last year no longer exists. That's not to say that those guys are bad picks. Like that, that's not the point. It's just that I think, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think there is a conception that like, Oh, running backs are values relative to last year, everywhere through the draft. Um, I just want to push back on that. That's slightly, but I agree with, with how Pat phrased it uh, for sure. Um, Will you take Pickens in that, in that last eight weeks of the season bet is Pickens viable. Can I, uh, let, let's talk about it. He goes before uh, Dotson. Does he go before Dotson? Oh yeah, he does. Uh, ooh, that's that's on the border. <laughs> uh, I'll i take I'll take that one. All right, but you have you have to give me some some other ones too if we're gonna do that. Well, you can't you can't have Burks because I like Burks a lot. I want I want Addison. I want uh, Deontay. I want Traylon. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm negotiate Traylon. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's talk our favorite values. Um, anybody want Ty Chandler? To Ty Chandler, off? running back, uh, running back, sixty-one, hundred ninety-seventh overall. Ty Chandler. Yeah, I take. I've taken him. I think every draft, every fast draft I've done this last week. That's fair. Finally, finally, not a five-seven wide receiver featured as my my favorite pick of the week. I mean that that one's gonna pay. I mean actually. It's gonna pay off in the short term. I think there's like a chance. By, I, I think by there's August. a chance it doesn't pay off. Yeah, there's a chance by August or chance it yeah. ends up way yeah. ahead of him. Yeah, it's a riskier pick than it might seem. Yeah. Um. Geez, I feel like I've done so many of my favorite ones I, so far. Go? Yeah, go for it. I, I. I had to. I had to jump you here, Sam, because I'm taking Brock Purdy. I'm taking your boy. Taking oh God. Boy. I've <laughs> already. I've already. I've already. Have you done Purdy? Uh, yeah. I mean, you you can still you can still do it, but I got him when he was quarterback. You got him at a better value. Yeah. No. Yeah. Now I have to bet against his elbow. All right, I'll take this. <laughs> you gonna take Darnold then? Yeah. <laughs> Give me Sam Darnold. No, no, absolutely not. Um, uh, I'll take I'll I'll take one. Actually, I don't even know if I believe in the ADP value here, but I'm I'm scrambling. So here, Pat, let me go, and then I'll let you go. Uh. Jonathan Mingo, he's one of my highest exposure wide receivers at pick 131. Now, I don't know if the ADP value is oh, going. Kel- Kelvin Benjamin featured here on Sam Sherman's favorite pick. <laughs> it's a payoff. But, okay, we, we've talked yeah, about that, it. That would have been an amazing pick in best ball. Yeah, uh, yeah pick 130, Kelvin Benjamin, give it to me. But, I mean, I know. He's a good... I'm, I'm just being stubborn with him. 
He his profile looks a lot better once you factor in his, his foot injury. I know that his analytics profile does not look good, but they spent an early second round pick on him. Their other wide receivers are Adam Thielen, who we all agree is garbage. Uh, DJ Chark, who I don't. I think some people think DJ Chark has something left. Uh, don't put me in that camp. I think he's close to done. So then you're looking at Hayden Hurst, Terrace Marshall. I mean, I just don't see how he's not at least playing in three wide receiver sets to start the year. And I think he dusts either Chark or Thielen pretty easily. Um, and pays Wow, and two Brute. You're turning on Adam Thielen, man. Wow. Yeah, Thielen, my boy. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking Mingo. Um, it's a good real-life pick. I don't know if you're getting the CLV value, but, uh, but draft Jonathan Mingo. Um, I'll go Kenny Gainwell, who we talked about earlier. Okay, that, I like that, that. The only way, right? The the way he pays off, you get you get um, teams talking him up is like one of their clear starters. Like it's definitely Gainwell. He's involved somehow, some way. And then Penny starts the season on IR or something, or gets cut. I mean, he just cannot hold this ADP if that happens. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Awesome. Um, Pat, anything coming up on Legendary Upside this week or otherwise? I'll be having uh, – I'm going to write tomorrow, and I'm not sure exactly which of, like, three articles that I am I have, like, started I'm going to work on, whichever one strikes me. Um, but hoping to get a piece out this week on Legendary Upside. I will note, uh, in case you missed it, that we have Dynasty Rankings now. That's in collaboration with Davis and uh, Jacob Sanderson. Uh, so and check first- those out. Our first podcast um, about those rankings is out on all of our feeds now, too. So two and a half hours, maybe even longer, honestly. And we're doing another podcast this week on the Dynasty Rankings, and the plan is to do a third podcast next week and then uh, a mailbag pod after that. So there's lots of Dynasty content right now Awesome uh, on Legendary Upside. Great stuff. Davis, what do you have going on besides the, the Dynasty stuff with Pat? Uh, we got that going on. Uh, I'm hoping to have some underdog. I've been tweaking around underdog rankings. Uh, so I had this conversation with Herzig last week and I like change. I I've like changed and then reflipped on like, if you should draft off rankings or just off ADP. Uh, so working on those, I'll probably put those out on the take cast Patreon sometime soon. Then, uh, take cast this week, sports grid, fantasy football podcast, all the good stuff. Awesome. Well, yeah, be on the lookout for Davis's rankings. I think Derrick Henry's uh, fifth overall in those rankings. Um, but be sure to keep your eye out. In for collaboration those. with you know, da- with David Kitchen, those rankings. You know, I only <laughs> yeah. have. I was looking at it. I only have thirteen percent, which feels pretty fraudulent considering how much. Yeah. Like, because I do. I want to take wide receivers there a lot, and also yeah. I take Pollard over him every time. So if I'm yeah. if I'm on the two eight and it's Pollard or Henry, I'm taking Pollard. I'm so taking Pollard get, there too. Yeah. Yeah, but but Jacobs or Henry, Jacobs or Ramondre, Jacobs or Breeze or Henry or any of these guys, I, I got Henry every time. That's fair. All right, um, I got nothing going on, but we'll be back next next Monday um, for another episode of ADP Chasing uh, for Pat for Davis. Uh, we will see you guys. Next